did I ever share with you this story of like when I was like hitting the dating scene? Mm. You know, I was going to bars here and there, and uh, and uh, and like, did, did I ever tell the story where I met that the sixty-year-old woman and she was like kind of like giving me the uh, giving me the old sexy eyes, giving you the old the old wolf and whistle. Give me old wolf and whistle. Yeah. Did, I, did I ever share that story with you? Uh, no, I missed that one. Because, I mean, oh, you, you, you were hanging out with a lot of middle-aged women at the time. But I don't know if you told me about this particular one. So, well, let me, uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this story, man. It's a doozy. Okay. So I was, yes, I'm ready. Like I said, I was, I, was, I was at the bar. You know me, always going to the bar. I know. And, uh, <laughs> I can't get you away from that bar. <laughs> I'm at the bar right now, baby. You have a Places problem. Places are opening up. <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll discuss my problem later, Adam. That was not the time. But anyway, right, so like you know, across from the bar, I see this like, I, I, and and when I mean like a sixty-year-old woman, I mean like a hot sixty-year-old. Mm. Like like I'm talking like Goldie Hawn or like Susan Sarandon. Like like she's just this woman's hot. Like and she was this woman was hot many years ago. Yes. <laughs> no, and she's still hot. Like for sixty, okay, like she okay. is hot. So nice. like, and you know, I've been I've been having a couple. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, man, this. Like like you just like you just said like man, when this woman was younger, like she 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 must have been really hot. I mean, if she has a daughter, woo. It's good. This that, that that girl is like probably equally as hot, so like she's yes. she's 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 putting back a couple of shots. She comes over to sit next, and she like she comes over to sit next to me. I'm like I'm getting excited. I'm like oh whoa this oh. this 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 uh, this hot cougar is gonna come talk to me. And she's and she asked me, it's like hey young man, have you ever had a sportsman's double? And like whoa. have you ever heard of that a sportsman's uh, double? Uh, I've heard of like playing doubles in tennis. I imagine it's something similar <laughs> to that, right? <laughs> well. For you, the listener, all, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll gather around, Adam. I'm about to tell you what a sportsman's double are. And okay. for you, to listen, if you don't, if you're not aware, that's when a that's when you have a threesome with a mother and daughter. Oh, so she's nice. like, "Yo, young man, would you like? Have you ever had a sportsman's double?" And I'm, I'm looking her right in the eye, and I'm like, "I know where this is going." So I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm like, no, ma'am, I haven't." So cougars, you know, we, and kittens, we, man, cougars. And kittens. <laughs> so you know, we're uh, I'm pounding back a couple more shots. We you know, and we're we're, we're about ready to call it a night. Pack, pack it up in an Uber and we head to her place, dude. Oh, and Uber. she's so yeah, so yeah, we're responsible, you know. Okay, so good. she's like, Tonight is your lucky night. So we go back <laughs> to her place and you know, we walk in, she's turning on the light upstairs. I'm gonna get, I'm getting super excited, and, and like, oh, and yeah. she yells, and and and, 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 and she yells like she's from across the hall, she's like, Hey, mom, you still uh, awake? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's what you know about. Three minutes ago, I knew the the setup for your joke. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn! It. I knew the punchline. I mean, I knew the punchline. You were line. just you you were just stringing me along, huh? So I was like, what, "What's the what's the opposite of a of a or what's what's an older cougar? A cougar and an elderly cougar? I don't know. A dead cougar, cougar. and a and a skeleton of a of, a, of a, and a taxidermied cougar. <laughs> So I yeah I I figured that's probably what was gonna happen. It's just like Granny's Granny's there. Granny takes her teeth out, and I mean I'm, I mean now that I now now that I remember, you did tell me the story, and um, yeah, I was I was horrified. <laughs> the moral of the story, folks, is doesn't matter. Had sex anyway. Adam, how have you been this past week? <laughs> oh man. Well, just another week of being at home a lot and mm. working and um, getting my my back to work date pushed back another month. 
thanks to all the great 18 to 40 year olds out there who are just keeping this thing going. Um, just Woo! keep on going out, guys. I mean, the more you go out, the less the I have to go out. The more we stay in. <laughs> and, and I mean, that, that it's working. It's working on so many levels. I just can't mm-hmm. wait to, you know, go back to homeschooling my child in another six weeks. And Ooh, um, that's going to be fun. I know. And you too, I guess. But <laughs> well, the the plan, I mean, well, my daughter just got registered for school. The plan is still technically that like they're going to put like um, they're going to put precautions in place and sanitation stations at all the schools and stuff. And they're going to mm. put the desks yeah. far enough away. And they're probably, probably they're finally going to promote sanitation uh, requirements in schools in Rialto. Usually they don't, they, pre- they pretend like those girls, like they don't have periods. So, and you know what? It's about time. <laughs> yeah. If you ask yes. me, <laughs> it's about time that those public schools have running water <laughs> and Finally. a supply of soap <laughs> separate, but equal no more. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so the plan is according to what I read online is that they're going to, the kids are all going to be required to wear masks and Man. in some cases, maybe gloves and, uh, for, and then they're going to split up all of the, the lunch and break times to that mm. so that not everybody is out in the in the uh congregation areas all at once so right so that's the plan so far I mean, but you know what with the way numbers are going who knows it's one more thing for kids to be like self-conscious about is what kind of mask they're wearing like usually it's like oh god what do my shoes look like what do my what do my pants look like and now it's like yeah. one more thing like oh did your mom make that mask uh ew <laughs> especially you get- you- Where'd you get your mask at Walmart? Oh, oh, because it's the only place open. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what, Adam? Everyone knows that there's nobody more tolerant and understanding than middle schoolers. Middle schoolers are the best. Like, oh man, well, you got Dora the Explorer on your your mask. (laughs) Are you a baby? (laughs) Oh man, I just I don't shop, but Walmart, the Kmart, is for losers. My I get all my stuff at Target. There you go. So <laughs> it's it's just another beautiful, you know, movement in like, I mean, what's good is that Zoe gets to experience middle school at this stage of like a worldwide crisis. Because, yes. I mean, that's never a better time to go through a worldwide crisis than when you're in that awkward middle school. Yeah. Everything about you is in crisis. So why not the whole world along with you? <laughs> well, right? see, now it's relatable. You know, yes. everybody in the world is relating to this same personal crisis that <laughs> you and your body and your hormones are all going through. <laughs> someday we'll tell the world, like someday you'll get hair where there isn't hair before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you might start to be attracted to people of the opposite sex, the same sex, a different or sex, all sexes. or all of the sexes. I mean, we—it's just part of part of uh, growing up, and mm-hmm. the world is gonna, world will uh, take take notice. We're on our way. But but by gum, you won't be uh, you won't be able to hold hands with that crush of yours. No. <laughs> school dances. Get the get the fuck out of here with your school you want, dances. Do you want to die? Then you should yeah. probably never ever <laughs> mention that you have a crush on somebody because I mean, it's just the potential for masks to be removed in public. I mean, what was, what would that be in middle school without random people making out in the corner? You know, like exactly. that was, that's a big part of middle school. And now they don't get to do that anymore. Cause they'll be now like, it's... Oh, your mask isn't on properly. Little Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just going to be like, you hang out in the corner and you take your masks off with one another oh, just so you can shit. see each other's face. Oh, you know, 
that's going to be the new hotness. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the new hotness nowadays. Oh, man. You know, speaking of which, when we were younger, this might be like um, just a reflection on on the state of sex of sex ed uh, right. in this country but it's like, come so far it's come so far in the last 20 oh yeah every, it's a good thing everything is a-okay <laughs> and nobody is having premarital sex and abstinence only education anyway right, when right. you were a kid learning sex ed um, around the age that my daughter is yes. was everything like overly exaggerated like if you have sex you will you will get like herpes and die the aids the aids get the aids dying of yeah no it wasn't like that it was just mm. like hey if you're gonna have sex be careful because you might get aids and that was it and then i sat there like i like my chances here i'd like to have me some of that sex <laughs> did i have any no no i did not but i really mm. really wanted to just for the opportunity to maybe catch just to live on the fun. dangerous side and, yeah and, potentially catch that some of that aids right because when you die in a hospital from something like that at least like like people are giving you like a thumbs up like that's right man you you hit that you hit that (laughs) and just like the moral of my story at the beginning of the show it doesn't matter had sex (laughs) (laughs) no i I was just saying because like i'm reflecting back to like my sex ed in middle school and Mm -hmm. it was everything was like overly like like you will die like like, you will die yeah like Mm -hmm. it like we were learning like we were in the segment where we were learning about the stds and stis Mm -hmm. and knowing more about them now in my adulthood and thinking back on when i first learned about it like they made herpes to be out like it was a death sentence they made chlamydia out to be like the most disgusting thing you could ever have (laughs) could ever happen into your entire life would they show you the pictures like the medical pictures oh yeah i mean they they had like animated 14 14 year old boy's penis (laughs) it's covered in chlamydia it looks like they had like they had like realistic drawings i suppose they didn't have like actual (laughs) photographs of the sores and stuff but like everything was like a huge crisis Mm -hmm. and they made it out to be like if you have sex one time you will catch all of these and die so don't do it (laughs) they did emphasize the one time it could happen but it just made me want to like have it even more so but i would just like use protection you know yeah i'm ready i got i got i'm gonna just hold on to my condom that expired three years ago and i'm gonna be ready (laughs) it's more of a status symbol you know just having it in your wallet you know show it show it to to girls like look what i got and it's like ew you're disgusting (laughs) (laughs) and even like even and the teacher that taught us like the the stis and the the potential risks they were like even if you wear a condom you could catch crabs and like i i remember raising my hand and it was and i was like well couldn't you just like shave your pubic hair or something and that would get rid of the crabs and they were like okay oh yeah no and no oh and and she and she added me like right away and she said oh yeah well then what else are you gonna do you're gonna you're gonna go burn all your clothes you're gonna burn all your sheets you're gonna burn all the you're gonna burn all your girlfriend's clothes or your wife's clothes how are you gonna how are you gonna get rid you can't get rid of all these crabs like I was like, "Oh my God, sex is the worst thing ever." Mike, I'm telling you, you're gonna be you're covered in crabs. <laughs> you tell by looking. You at are crabs. You you are turning into a crab, young man. Keep your hand down. Well, did you guys watch all the like 1970s videos, or did they update them a little bit by the time we watched some videos? I don't remember what they were, oh, but man. some of them were just like, "No, this is right." This ours is was Jimmy, and ours was on like 
you know, projector reel or it was a slideshow where you mm-hmm. like the teacher would put in a cassette tape and press play and then it would go ping <laughs> and then they'd hit the slide. <laughs> wow, that is old school. Dude. Yeah. At least we had we had the VHS at least, but that was the technology at the time. But um yeah, I, I, but I remember like the video being old. Right. Like I the, remember the fashion like being very oh, out man. of date. But like who who are these girls in there <laughs> just sitting in a field talking about their menzies? Yeah. <laughs> Do and, girls just talk about periods all day? Like I don't know. <laughs> and my favorite one is probably from 1973 or something. And it was again, two girls sitting in a field talking about this and it's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And then like the camera just like focuses in on her crotch. Oh and then, no. And then zooms in. <laughs> <laughs> it just like goes all the way, all the way in. I'm like, I'm there's something wrong with this. Like a part of me feels uncomfortable. A part of me was like really aroused at the same time. So, right. Cause like, I'm just imagining that's my face going down, going downtown. <laughs> She's like wearing jeans, but I was just like, I don't think you were supposed to zoom in on that part. Something tells me that's a bad idea. Yeah, like who gave the consent? Oh, well, she's a she's a woman in the 1970s, so right. nobody no. needed her consent. Right. They were just like yeah. filming her in public. I mean, and this is yeah. what she was talking it's like, about. You want to be a star, don't you, baby? <laughs> uh... go, go talk about your Lindsay's with this other girl. <laughs> Man, we have gone way off topic, but welcome to the show, everybody. I hope you uh, hope you guys had a good week. Hope you guys had a good Father's Day out there. Um, we're recording this post Father's Day. Did you have a good Father's Day? I ate me some some Chinese food. Nice. And dude. Went went to the Chinese restaurant with my mask mm. on, and really sad to see the Chinese restaurant that was, used to be a restaurant is and is now just a you know to go window. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Put a like giant plastic in front of the kitchen, and mm. like they just like poke their head out of the little square, like oh you you need food? Do you, what, what do you need? <laughs> Are you I'm sick? Just here making random food. You can just have all. You just have all this right here. Right. So I, uh, you know, managed that. I, I finally got to go to the Goodwill and uh, try to drop off stuff, and they were like, "Oh, oh sorry, we're we're full." And I was like, "Oh, we're full. We're, we're all that, full." That's and never happened before. They said you can come back later and see if our bins are empty, and I was like. Well, can I just leave these three bags here, and you can put them in when those bins are empty? But <laughs> Uh, yes i mean technically speaking you could just like drop them off and like just drive away that's what what i was thinking like i part of me wanted to do that even though they have a big sign that says no dumping but i like i was taking a shit out in the back (laughs) or anything yeah that's 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 (laughs) i think that's more accurate to what the sign means (laughs) i was trying to be a nice person in that moment but later i was like i guess you gotta imagine everybody's been holding off on their donations up until now so and then so was yours pretty good did you just lay low Oh, we just had a relaxing day. Uh, played some Last of Us Part Two, and uh, we, I made. Words. I made. Huh? Those are words. <laughs> Those are words that that I put together in a way that Adam doesn't understand. But the, as long as you have fun. It, yeah, it's a new game. Well, it's it's not a game that's meant to be fun, so to speak. It's it's a miserable oh. story about the post apocalypse. But the, oh, but it's but it's, but it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not, not every game has to be fun. Like, not like right. every movie has to be fun, you know. Right. But like a right. movie can be well told, and the, like be. this is yeah, this movie has like high production values and it's really well told, well acted, and stuff like that. So I'm yes. having a good time with it. It but, made um, me miserable. But yeah. it made me miserable. Yeah, it did. It did its job. But you know, I've been playing that. I made dinner for my family, and you know, just spent time with the uh, with with my loved ones. And there you and go. I got got a couple phone calls from my mom and nice. my sister. So. Just nice. got a just had a nice relaxing day at home. 
So I hope so. that you listeners had some good times out there. If you guys have good relationships with your fathers, and I hope you guys got to speak with them. I didn't. <laughs> hey, <laughs> one of us has a father in this whole scenario. Just want to remind you of that. Do we? Do we? <laughs> my dad's I around, mean, but he might as well be gone. I know. Go, go for it. Just say it. What? Finish your mono- there, monologue. Yes. My dad was there, but he might as well been away. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, female body parts and fatherhood, um, we're starting pantsless weekend. Potty oh, training it? time. It's time to potty train. And, My daughter, and, and really, like, what better time is there when like no one's going to leave the house? No one's going to come right. into the house. Let right. her Winnie the Pooh all over the place. I know. And Pooh, well, she hasn't done that yet, but Pooh will be here yet. So we're we're, <laughs> we're halfway through pantsless weekend has she gotten any uh, progress so far uh she got one yesterday wait no in the, no in the zero yesterday game. well in okay. the little the little kid potty you know like right. the little plastic potty thing squatty potty yeah so she uh proceeded to pee on everything yesterday that was oh. that was fun luckily she stayed in the kitchen most of the time so it was an easier cleanup <laughs> Yeah, or, or she the was carpet or the couches yet, or she was in Nora's room where it's like you know the wood. <laughs> so that worked yeah, out hard well. Weather, yeah, and then uh, this morning, um, she made it in the potty one time, which was great. Nice. And then there was uh, three more that didn't make it in the potty. <laughs> I'm sitting there oh. on the on the couch with her. We're watching Frozen. I'm just like, hmm, my leg seems to be getting warmer. This is interesting. And then I was like, oh, crap, it's happening. <laughs> and so it's like that one just went everywhere. And like we've already like put the plastic wrap down on the on the couch and like a sheet over it. So like, like an old ca- Italian family. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's really just like a 99 cent store tablecloth. Oh, OK. On <laughs> so it does great at keeping the uh, the, the, the liquid. Got to do oh, what wait, you got to so. do, man. Yeah, so that worked out, and uh, then she had some food, and then I sat her back on the potty again, and she went. I was like, "All right, nice. that's two out of five for today." So we're we're getting on there, our way. We're getting there, on our way. Well, congratulations, man! It's going. So I have to deal with that, and uh, yeah, so yeah, we'll be going the rest of the summer, cleaning up a lot of urine. Yeah, it was <laughs> a. It, it it took a few weeks for uh, your eldest to uh, get the hang of it, right? Well, it she got it within one week, oh, and wow. then, but then remember, two months later, we moved, and That's everything right. yeah, started yeah, yeah. back at zero again. <laughs> it was very, very frustrating. Was it just because like she didn't know where the bathroom was? Like her, her like no her routine idea. was like thrown off. She was only two and a half years old. Who knows what right. was going on in her stupid little head? But <laughs> all all we know is that she just started peeing her pants all the time again, and she had like gotten the hang of it so well mm. uh, when we before we had moved and then the dogs see it and they're like oh so we're all oh. peeing on the floor now huh? all right <laughs> like let's I do this I'll, i guess i guess it's my turn too party time <laughs> so that's, well, that's cool man that's gonna be you guys are a couple of weeks here that's your that's your summer project and then we'll move in two months and have to start all over again. <laughs> start all over again all right <laughs> just let me know when you need help when you need help packing i'll oh, be yeah. there we're on our way. <laughs> cool, dude. Congratulations to hear that. And uh, wish wish your family the best for me. Okay, fine. So we got some uh, we got some musacs to get through. If you listened to our show um, this uh, last week, we uh, we came up with the idea like since since new releases are starting to uh, wane down, 
Now I'm thinking dwindle. there's going to be like a giant like overflow of music in like September, October because of this, but I guess we'll find out. Well, <laughs> like, oh God, 26 new albums to listen to this weekend. <laughs> well, with the, with the exception of one giant project, which we'll get into in a moment, exactly. like, no one's, exactly. uh, no one's like been talking about like new, new albums coming out, but I guess it could be a surprise. I know. I mean, this is, these are strange times that we're, that we're coming through, but in, in the, uh, in our response, since we're going to be doing weekly shows for the foreseeable future, to um, kind of dwindling news and dwindling album releases. We're going to be talking about some older releases, some classics, uh, some modern classics. We can probably do some uh, track-by-track reviews. And we want your feedback, too, if you guys have something, you know, maybe along the lines of, like, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge or, uh, you know, something from Thrice or, you know, big albums like Define the Great Line or Devil and God or Raging Aside. You know, stuff that are that's well-known and well-loved throughout uh the community then let us know we'll put it in the queue and then uh we'll kind of gauge like what kind of albums you want us to talk about but uh, this week we're going to be talking about the first three albums from panic at the disco before they were yuri at the disco yes um the kind of so kind of like the 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 first three albums that kind of had a full band feel before brendan yuri kind of took over the main songwriting um duties right Uh, and and only member duties Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the um, by, by the fifth album, it was he was by himself, but pretty much, yeah. yeah. With a uh, too weird to live, too gay to be in a band with other people, like uh, that one was with him and the drummer. Um, but yes. Brendan Urie was like the primary songwriter. But before yeah. we get to that, we got a couple big stories to get through. Uh, first of which, uh, everyone's favorite, um, everyone's favorite provocative named band slaves is slaves yes. no more well uh, that's that's unfortunate because i've been like talking like i've been the one speaking out against this ever since 2015 when or 14 when the first album came out yeah he won't like... shut up about it so <laughs> you guys well finally adam you got your wish okay because they're out their new album to better days which is coming out in august uh from, yes which was which is great uh I, I mean i'm kind of trepidatious on it because they're the single, they re- one of the singles they released just sounds like a boring, generic kind of too close to touch and all those other type of bands sound. Exactly. Uh, so okay. they were, it's okay. Yeah. But we're going to judge the whole album on its own. But so, you know, cross our fingers that it's going to be just as good as the other slaves stuff. But they've announced this past week that they are going to be slaves no more. Right. Uh, after their album, Two Better Days, they're going to proceed especially with the um, state of the world as it is right now, um, because of the negative connotations to their band name, they're going to be changing the name. They don't know what it's going to be called. But uh, here is uh, some snippets of their statement they released. As individuals, as well as a collective, we hold certain virtues close to our hearts. Honesty and transparency with our fans being some of the most important. Mm. I'm not going to do the whole voice. (laughs) Early on in the process of writing and recording the new album, To Better Days, we discussed that this new iteration of our band should, we discussed what this new iteration of our band should sound like, what it should sound like, as well as what it should be called. We decided, uh, we decided then this would be our last release under the name Slaves. Now, for for those of you who don't know, Slaves is, was the new band uh, by Johnny Craig, um, Craigery Johns, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> uh, after he left Omarosa. 
or was kicked out of Amorosa. I don't know. I can't follow any long, anymore. And um, right. and yeah, he had a good trilogy of albums, and they were pretty unique. It had, it had some grit. It had a little bit of like you know there there were some songs that were just kind of generic fare, but you know overall i mean i'd say that that was a successful project wouldn't you yeah i mean routine breathing has a lot of filler but the other two were pretty stand damn great yeah, yeah. And, and and it ha- and it had that trademark johnny craig grit and johnny craig kind of like um i don't know like that 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 kind of bad boy nature to it just with the, with his and voice of an angel Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yes. one of the things that kind of made him stand out was that name slaves. It's very provocative. So they go on to say right. the name slaves was conceived as a reference to the band's battle with substance abuse in the past yes. to the idea that we become enslaved by our addictions and by our demons. Our goal has always been to tackle these difficult subjects head on as well as to build a community and share stories and hope to let others know that their inner demons can be defeated. Yeah, uh, they don't mention the uh, band member by name, but now that that band member is no longer in the band, mm. what better way <laughs> to uh, move on than to just get rid of the name completely? Because that name is a I direct, yeah, is a direct reference to that band member. So right. now that he's not here, why do we got to keep the name? Well, and everybody in the band now was not in the band in 2014 when the first album came out. Pretty much, I think <laughs> so... the only member is like the the rhythm guitarist. <laughs> Colin Vieira. Yeah, which, you know, everybody knows him. Everyone's bass, favorite rhythm player. guitarist. Oh, he's the bass player. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bass the bass in the band stands out every now and, right. and then. He's a, he's a pretty decent bassist. I know. Actually, he's, oh, the origi- this... he's the original bass player, but he just took a year off and then came back. Yeah, there was that time, like, I think around that, that Warp Tour controversy, too, uh, too, when Johnny Crow was fighting with everybody on Warp Tour and mm-hmm. the band kind of shuffled in and then everybody rejoined right. <laughs> shortly after <laughs> however this definition of the name neglects to take ownership of its racial connotations mm. uh as uh, as abstinence supporters of the black lives matter movement we cannot continue to tie our music and our positive message to a word associated with such negative weight and hurt so they just kind of go on and say that the last album will be the last time you hear the name i, I I'm, I'm gonna assume moving forward that when they come up with a new name and continue on as a band that they're going to keep the songs but uh, probably I, a, I wonder probably if a safe was, assumption if that was a contractual thing like slaves needs one more album uh on whatever label they're on well because of how problematic gregory johns is slaves mm-hmm. has bounced around i think each mm-hmm. album was on a different label because of how controversial he is and mm-hmm. how much he he doesn't um he doesn't conform to their contractual obligation so it, there could be stuff behind the scenes where they had named this album slaves but uh who knows but i mean let's see they were on artery for the first two and then the uh, orchard okay. the orchard for beautiful death mm. so i have no I idea believe, what the yeah. new ones i believe i remember we talked for uh, routine breathing we, we talked about a, a slight story about um that artery was going to release it but they were going to drop the band shortly mm-hmm. after that but yeah. they just had to release it just get to recoup their money maybe, um, but maybe. yeah so Whew. cool cool so i don't know i mean they might as well be called slaves no more pretty much right i mean slaves you what? you said it slaves no more that should be their new band name after this yeah they just named their band free the slaves <laughs> freed freed slaves there you go <laughs> see i mean uh yeah uh, um, I, with how 
I don't want to accuse this because again, I haven't heard the new album. I don't want to accuse this band of just becoming another generic post hardcore alternative rock band, but right. you know, with that just seems like the direction they're going. What, what do you think their new name would um, make them stand out in any way? Do you think that their new name would make a statement? Do you think their name, new name would make them, um, you know, do you think they're going to go provocative again just not in a racial sort of way i don't know i I really don't know i mean this is a very oceana polyenso kind of situation here Hmm. so um yeah we'll we'll just have to wait and find out if it was my job i would just come up with you know something equally as 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 racial because that's what this band is known for now (laughs) confederate pride (laughs) yes (laughs) all lives matter (laughs) the band (laughs) like we we wish the best for johnny craig because we believe that all lives matter wait (laughs) (laughs) all lives matter but johnny craig's life especially matters (laughs) maybe or does it i guess we'll have to wait and find out so i don't know i mean there's it's going to be two to three more years before another album so i mean by then maybe it won't matter anymore i I don't know like (laughs) that would be funny yeah we'll we'll completely forget about this band by then since nobody's (laughs) protesting anymore and it's the year 2023 uh we're gonna go ahead and keep our our band name because yeah especially (laughs) yeah especially if they come up with some generic boring name that like could could be any band like Mm -hmm. i don't know a blue blue ocean tides too hot to handle too hot to (laughs) handle and we're gonna and we're gonna become a 90s hip-hop band right (laughs) it looks like they're on sbg records i saw that here there we go another yet another uh yet another label for them so i don't know interesting interesting I, i i i i'm looking forward to hearing the new stuff when it does drop though yeah, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic for that new album because I mean I'm as far as slaves goes or in their music like their music has always impressed me for the most part so but the, what about they are the... missing a, a vital component of what made that music so interesting so I'm right. hoping for the best. What about the UK band Slaves? What have they been up to? Oh, yeah, I know. What's up with you guys, huh? Hmm? What's up with you guys and your racist attitudes towards your <laughs> band name? I'm just saying. There were slaves in the UK, just like in America. <laughs> hey, mate, we, we're here to announce our new band name. It's uh, Boris Johnson was right all along. <laughs> Boris Johnson is our overlord. <laughs> Let's see. Um, nope, nothing in their Wikipedia page except a July 2019 EP. I guess that's oh. all they get. Yeah, so. so so they're 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 still active. No one's paying attention to them, I suppose. Oh, looks like they <laughs> did have some controversy. Um, I don't know when this happened though. Uh, Ooh, what was the controversy about? It says the duo, the duo, duo. Interesting. Uh, have faced allegations with their name is racially insensitive, given the historical oh. context of the term and their own white backgrounds. Vincent, the guitar and bassist, uh, said. That criticism of the name came as a surprise to them, describing how they chose the name while trying to think of an abrasive sounding word like clash. We just like the word. We weren't trying to provoke. (laughs) That's the quote. (laughs) The two addressed the controversy around their name in a statement on Facebook. Our band name relates to people not being in control of their day to day lives. Slaves was our way of getting off the paths we didn't want to walk down anymore. 
the music we make is motivational and aimed at people personally as well as collectively end scene (laughs) (laughs) well that was a nothing statement (laughs) i guess there's still a band as far as i can tell yeah well that statement we learn nothing from the statement we learn nothing about what their their personal feelings for it he plays guitar and bass at the same time and their drummer is the lead vocalist and he plays trumpet (laughs) what a band this band See, is going are, places we named our band slaves because we are not slaves to the conventions of live music exactly i strap a trumpet around <laughs> I, I duct tape a trumpet around my face and play drums <laughs> <laughs> and i sing out of a voice box in my neck <laughs> how does one do that that's amazing i gotta see live performances of this their live shows are incredible <laughs> i mean i guess the word slaves is an abrasive sounding word like sure you can't is. you can't argue with that kind of logic right there so i mean whatever. they could have they, they they could just like say the same thing about the word blackface like we didn't mean anything <laughs> we're not trying to provoke we just like the word blackface and it's a very provocative <laughs> word like clash it makes a statement <laughs> it makes a statement you know you know like right. when you're working in the coal mines you know yeah, that, yeah. See, we're trying to make a statement here about uh, about oppressive labor <laughs> exactly <laughs> so stupid so anyway that's so, that's the music news for the week <laughs> well we got something big here buddy oh okay. i mean oh, you yeah, haven't other news, other news yeah you haven't checked out this new uh single from you know one of the biggest bands out right now one of my of favorite time. bands of, of all time. time uh bring me the horizon uh, have been uh teasing for the last few weeks they kind of put a pause the last couple of weeks uh, to kind of lend a voice to the Black Lives Matter movement, but they've since uh, they've since been putting out new updates, uh, all leading up to their new single called Parasite Eve, which is a PlayStation One exclusive uh, game from uh, Square from SquareSoft back in the day. It's an action RPG starring oh, yeah. NYPD cop Aya Brea Damn. taking out like taking out some survival horror stuff. I mean, it was one of your favorite games back in the day. On the it really was. I mean, I, I have so many memories of of playing it. What was your favorite boss fight? Um, the one with the guy who was really, really big. I forgot his name. Oh, He's so strong. I think he was. I think he was black. I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Parasite Eve. Uh, it was one of my. It was. It was a game I really liked back in the day. But anyway, they named this game Parasite Eve, and uh, so they also revealed over on NME.com in an interview that uh, this year, which mm. sounds like a lot. But mm-hmm. this year, they're going to be releasing four EPs. Uh, they don't have, uh, they didn't reveal how many songs, but they said about six to ten songs each, um, each containing a different, I guess, kind of emotional spectrum mm-hmm. uh, and a different feel. How uh, many? How many different elements were they going to use to name the EPs? Is a real well, question. So this, so this is this is all part of the Ollie Kami Index <laughs> for. Uh, <laughs> So, the, the, so they're all going to share the name post-human, similar to what Thrice did with the Alchemy Index. I guess okay. it's going to be post-human, maybe volume or part one, part two, part. So there's going to be four totally different with each each with their own sound and mood. And it's going to be a gigantic project. And this is part of, I guess, maybe the first release that's going to come out there. And they're and it kind of, and, and thematically, the song has kind of the same feel and tempo as the song Ludens from last year. Did you ever end up hearing Ludens? I did. Maybe okay. maybe want to soothe my throat. Uh, yeah, it, it. I mean, I, when I when I 
yeah never mind <laughs> stupid joke uh <laughs> no i thought it was it was cool it, i was as I, I listened to it once that was all i could base it on yeah not my favorite song from them but you know it it, it was a pretty decent song and it kind of went along with there there was lyrics in that song that were lifted directly from dialogue taken from the video game death stranding so there you go two two the last two singles were video game related uh for them uh but uh it's like they're trying to corner a market or something yeah no <laughs> fucking nerds <laughs> so they got me baby got uh but the I, I so it's it's a it's a whole interview here and i recommend that you guys uh listen to it because apparently this is all going to come out within the next year and they commented mm-hmm. on how in the music industry today, people just kind of go through things so quickly. They're just onto the next thing, onto the next thing. So they kind of want to continue yeah. to be part of the conversation. I mean, we, we just talked about it. Like we, <laughs> we don't even know what to do with the show now, <laughs> but uh, they want to continue to be part of the conversation and be part of the public zeitgeist and release music a little bit more, uh, um, uh, more continuous uh, throughout the year. And now's the best time because they're right. They're writing everything from, from quarantine and they're they're still able to connect with one another and i mean if you follow them on youtube they have a basically a daily series where you can kind of get a behind the scenes look a lot of them are very comedic in nature but they're like two three sometimes six minute videos and they're very fascinating and they kind of give you an idea of how you can still be creative and and release great music even you don't when you don't even need a studio you know so if any band's going to do this I think Bring Me the Horizon is very well equipped to do so because you don't need um, a studio; you just have all the time in the world because it's exactly. your full time job. And they're and millionaires. They're not <laughs> making music when it's your job, then there's a real problem when you have nothing else to do. They're busy so they playing better be making PlayStation music. One classics. That's what they're doing. <laughs> but hey, your post uh, got a lot of uh, interest by the Bring Me the Horizon community. All I had to do was make a joke about the about the original game, baby. Right. 33, like you... 33 likes later. <laughs> there you go. Like, like you said, cornered the market. They know exactly who they're pandering to. Exactly. So I'm I'm interested in this and how they're going to make it different from the Alchemy Index. Because right now, it sure does feel like it could be the Alchemy Index. Which I don't think is a bad thing because there's not a lot of bands that do something like this. I mean, right. uh, maybe uh, you just got done doing the smashing pumpkins uh, discography so mm. that's probably the closest thing i could see because they you know how um uh what's his name did like different projects and they're all kind of related but sound a little different right so um, that's like the closest thing i can think of to the alchemy index and mm-hmm. I, I i had these, these fantasies that like when alchemy index came out that like different bands would kind of ape that or copy that or do their own spin on that and mm-hmm. we haven't really i mean at least not prominently that we haven't really seen that too much right now, and it's spring. been 14 years now so i guess yeah. finally another band can recreate that magic for so a new like, generation just like the movie industry like once 10 years have passed it's time right. to reboot everything reboot spider-man man reboot yeah get, get tom holland out of here yeah he's the greatest <laughs> spider-man who ever lived get him out of here he's, he's too been, old it's been seven years it's time it's for us to learn his origin story finally <laughs> we need to see uncle ben die again i forgot what he looked like dead on the floor right i'm just telling you ned saved that movie <laughs> hey 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 come on now come on now we don't want to hey, say things we can't take back okay toby mcguire did not have a witty sidekick that's all i'm saying you sure didn't yeah i mean <laughs> that's what that ned movie is... was missing. 
as well as as well as many other things that's what that movie was missing <laughs> oh yeah every, every marvel movie regardless of the main character needs ned and we just gotta put ned in every movie he's incredible you put him in the put him with the guardians of the galaxy who knows he, he'll, he'll love space <laughs> so this will be interesting i hope it comes out before the end of the year i guess there's no mm -hmm. reason for it not to if you're only going to make like 16 songs but yeah We'll see, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this. Like, I think Alchemy Index is a huge, like, undertaking, and it's a and, and great great for them to kind of do their own spin on. And if anybody's gonna do it, it's Bring Me the Horizon, who have already proven they can tackle all these different subgenres and mm -hmm. create their make it their own. And you know, I'm I'm super excited. So I uh, uh, I can't wait to hear more. So let's move on now. We're going to do an albums breakdown of, yes. the, of the original Panic at the Disco trilogy spanning uh, 2005, 2008, 2011. We'll touch upon the, uh, the, the Yuri at the Disco stuff as well, just kind of compare and contrast. But yes. uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that because those are highly influential albums from a band that's even still um, around today. And right. it, it, it made a huge splash back in 2005. Now, Adam, I, feel, I feel like everybody we've talked to who we've come in contact with uh, through our podcasts, like this, their first album, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, was like on their lists of favorite albums. I, I don't know if it was everybody, but I'm pretty sure it's most everybody. Because well, most everybody think... who still listens to this kind of music, they they, right. they hold that album to some sort of regard. You know, it's like wherever they were in two thousand five. I mean, this might have been like a launching point for some of them. To, I know it was probably a launching point to a lot of people. Like, but it, it probably introduced them to mm -hmm. like the Warp Tour type of scene, right? Because you know, right. you see well, a band they... like this that does this super interesting like flashy music and then you mm -hmm. find out that they're on tour with like someone like fallout boy right. who goes on tour with you know maybe like from first to last or something and you, well and fallout boy was promoting them as the next big thing yeah like, that was if you like us you're gonna love this panic at the disco pete wentz and he mm -hmm. would wear shirts in interviews and just be like listen to this band listen to this band you know kurt cobain tried to do that kind of stuff but none of those bands took off but anyway oh. at least <laughs> it worked for panic at the disco <laughs> are you trying to say that pete wentz is more influential to the to the music world than <laughs> kurt cobain it's very possible mm. <laughs> but there's also a bunch of 14 and 15 year olds that were like just discovering their their sexualities you know, sexualities to pete wentz and um the other one that was in Paul Boy. What's the name? Stump. Patrick Stump. <laughs> and so when Patrick they were like, you know, Stumps. if you want me, but you want younger, more around your age and yeah. sexy and gigantic lips. And you're too young, maybe, for my chemical romance because <laughs> Grandpa Gerard is already 30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check out this P at the D and see what you yeah. have to tell me. Check and out these young teens. So what was... Do you want me to tell you my first introduction to this band or do you want to yeah, share your trying to, yeah i was trying to i was, I was trying to get there but uh, yeah, can, where were you in 2005 when you first heard of this band i could summarize eight years for you in about four sentences that's why so, we're here baby come on let's do so, it 
about 2005, driving in a car with Cameron and his then girlfriend. I write sins, not tragedies comes on the radio for the first time. And I listened to it like, huh, this sounds different for most radio songs that I've heard. And I was like, Oh, interesting. And like, it just, you know, immediately gets stuck in your head. It's like, it's there for life now. And like an infection, uh, Cameron's girlfriend says, this band is, is a bunch of high schoolers. Like she already knew that. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. And then I, then nothing. I, I never hear of them again. <laughs> I, I I see clips of their video on MTV because it was such like a huge MTV music video award, whatever kind you of see thing. See a bunch of teenage boys wearing blouses, right? And yeah. so I was like, oh, it's that band I heard in the car that one day, and and then literally nothing. Three years go by. 2008 <laughs> i'm watching saturday night live and it's like panic at the disco and i was like oh hey it's that band well and they're they, still around they play nine in the afternoon i'm like what a what a retarded side of the moon. What, what a retarded song we'll get and, there <laughs> and then mike's end of the year list 2013 oh, he mentions panic at the disco as his number back, baby as his number three album of the year that, that that's it that's all my <laughs> introduction and then like i took it off from there because then that was when i started listening to albums for and beyond i believe i kind of told you too like you don't need to listen to most of their older stuff like check out like some of the singles from the first album but like you can but you know me you know me i'm a deep cuts kind of guy i can't just be like oh like oh seven years later (laughs) i like two singles therefore i like this band like no i yeah i knew that uh for some reason, I didn't. I was I was frightened to go back and listen to the the first three albums, mm-hmm. and frightened to be like Mike. Can can you can you uh, maybe burn me a copy of those? Because I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want Mike to judge me as being you know that flaming. So now that <laughs> music streaming services are on us, I'm just like, it's there. I, there's no reason for me not to listen to it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with it now. But literally from 2005, now these songs are now these songs are part of your streaming services algorithm that's going to keep suggesting mm-hmm. songs like this now <laughs> so from 2005 to 2013 um that, that was it i saw their clip on mtv a couple times i saw them perform nine in the afternoon on snl that was my entire coverage of panic at the disco that's a little surprising but i guess when I, now that i think about it especially I, I mean it's surprising that you were able to stay away from them so long but i know now that i think about it like i guess you like you weren't subscribed to like alternative press you didn't no. watch fuse as much as i did like no. you didn't like hear all the like i was busy being on the a radio a lot i was busy yeah, I being so. a grown-up by that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah because uh because like they were on the radio too like they were mm-hmm. like constantly like like sit tight i'm gonna need you to keep time come on like i, I heard that and song I, all the time wow i never yeah. heard that song on the radio i seriously okay. i don't I, I think i've heard it because you played it in the background uh when dave was doing his countdown perhaps oh, okay i'm not sure if that was the exact time but the i was only like time you ever heard hey. the only difference <laughs> yes and the other testosterone boys song i heard that somewhere don't know where. So testosterone boys in Holly. yeah I love this. <laughs> I do too now. <laughs> well, then let's talk about your thoughts okay. on a fever you can't sweat out. The debut album, by Panic at the Disco. They're nope. probably most popular album of their career. Right, and I can't believe they were all like in high school when they formed this band on the mean streets of the Las Vegas Strip. So you, can, so you see, all you young musicians out there, even you can make it. 
if you're friends with Pete Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> I know I read how they met up with Pete. I think they like sent him a demo or something like that. So Yeah, um, I heard something similar. It was something along the lines like they kept pestering him and uh, he heard it. <laughs> And then, because he's, he's like recounted this before in an interview, or Pete Wentz has, and he said, like, well, like, well I, I guess I just gave it a shot. And like, wow, this is incredible. So then we put the, we, so then we got in contact with them and we took them on tour with us. Right. The, they yeah, sent, like, they sent a wow. demo to Pete Wentz via live journal. Wentz was in LA at the time, and the rest of follow up were working on their first album, Under the Cork Tree. They, and then he drove to Vegas to meet with the young unsigned band. Upon hearing two after to three six, songs after six period <laughs> right. of high school, upon hearing two to three songs during band practice, once was impressed and immediately wanted to sign the band to Fueled by Ramen. There we go. Yeah, Pete Wentz's own uh, uh, record label. And so the, that's he all heard, it takes, kid. That's God, all it takes. Fuck that shit. Anyway, <laughs> I know it's like like and on the one hand, like I'm legitimately like like proud of a band like this to get that attention because like right. If they if that hadn't happened, like this band would have just like this, this band never would have blown up, but because they got the attention of Pete Wentz and they got that uh, push from uh, from from him and his marketing team, like now they now like Brandon Urie is one of the biggest rock stars in the world. Pretty uh, much. And but on the other hand, fuck that shit. <laughs> and fans on the internet began to bash the group almost right away. Yeah, there was a lot of that kind of. Uh, like you didn't, you, you guys haven't paid your dues, kind of thing. So that, like that they, was, yeah, yeah. They released, an, I believe, like even Pete Wentz said, like we released an album before we even ever played our first show. <laughs> so I was like, so yeah. I, I, I remember hearing that back in 2015. I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> so that was like 2004 that they signed to the label, and then yeah. what? August of 2005, they're winning, you know, the best video music award of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's just that it, is it, a it, lot of fame in a very short amount of time exactly so um yeah where was i with all this you had asked me a question about something um <laughs> what did you think of the album <laughs> oh I, I really really enjoyed the album <laughs> after Ooh, finally okay. sitting down for the full 39 minutes um i mean skipping over the intro and uh, there's an the intermission pointless the, in, and the, the intermission, intermission is interesting i mean you could see yeah. where Attack Attack got some of their ideas from that intermission section. Yeah, <laughs> the intermission I don't like. It's I, I skip right past it. I, I think it's just kind of it's like two two and want, a half minutes long. Yeah, it, I don't, I don't want to say low effort, but it sounds kind of low effort. It just sounds like right. generic, like So um, yeah, but I, I I gave this album. I mean, it, it made the list. It made my top one hundred <gasps> list at, a, at ten out of eleven. Nice, dude. What was the one track that you didn't like? Uh, shit. And it wasn't even that bad of a song. <laughs> it's just one that had like a weak, the, the weakest chorus. But yeah, th- this is this is something that I don't know if I would have liked in 2005. Um, yeah, but I can... with the benefit of hindsight and how you and I's music tastes have evolved over the years, like I, I, I have a more, I, I have a better appreciation of this nowadays, especially. Now that um, you know, Pan- I'd, I'd say Panic at the Disco is one of my favorite-ish bands. I'm kind of on the low end, uh, especially with the latter half of their discography. But like back in 2005, I bought this, this album. As this this was would have been a big fresh breath of air. Yeah, um, 
in a pretty stale 2005 scene. It was like before even Fall Out Boy had taken off yet. Sure, yeah, I yeah. Think. This, is, this was right around the time when like Sugar was going down. Was it was about just about to, to break. Yeah. And um, so, you know, listening to this, I bought this in 2005 out of obligation, I felt like, because <laughs> they were so big and they were getting so much press. They were getting so much coverage. They were on the radio. And uh, I remember trying to buy this album. There was a Best Buy in San Bernardino off Tippecanoe. I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Yes. But I would go there every Tuesday on New Release Day. And um, they had a sign out in August, of, uh, like the first couple of months after this album came out. They had a sign right at the beginning, right at the front door. It says, we are currently out of a fever you can't sweat out. <laughs> and that sign was there like for six weeks. And then I finally, that, fin- that sign was finally gone, so I went to the music aisle back when they had a music aisle, and um, I, and I found I, I found the album there, and I finally bought it. So wow, <laughs> I was insane. able to get it like you know a month and a half after the album came out. So okay. uh, wow, that's a long time to wait for for a brand new album. <laughs> so like it kind of overhyped it for me in a yeah. way. So when I first heard it. I wasn't impressed because I was like, I was a fucking brutal hardcore kid mm. back in 2005. You know, like, right. I only liked screaming shit with some clean vocal shit, maybe with some electronic shit on the side. <laughs> you you know, were only like, the, like Under Oath and My Chemical Romance, and yeah. And, so uh, I, I was into like, I was in, I was in Worst Prada. Shit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Devil Worst Prada. Yeah. So I was into that fucking hardcore shit. So like, mm-hmm. listening to this, it was kind of off-putting at first, mm-hmm. and I didn't okay. kind of get it. Um, but it wasn't until like the benefit of hindsight where I would go back to this album and be like, oh, okay, I see what they're going, and I can see how this was super influential to all the other adjacent bands or yes. in the scene. Because let's see, Cork Tree came out in May of 2005, and this one was mm-hmm. September of 2005. Right. And sometime so, in yeah, right early... alongside with uh, uh, with uh, Fallout Boy. Sometime in early 2006, uh, I went to that same Best Buy. Uh, and they had plenty of copies of the new Audio Slave album, so I, oh. I bought that. I bought that there. <laughs> plenty of copies. Think, like in, what you would think in downtown San Bernardino, like that would have been sold out. That that, that seems more like San Bernardino's crowd, you know. <laughs> so, Not Panic at the Disco. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, pretty damn good hooks on the choruses. Oh yeah. Um, I think Time to Dance is the only track that I, I did not give a pass to. Okay. Yeah, that one's I'm, an alright song. I I'm can pretty cool. You wouldn't give that one a pass. It has like, a lying really... is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. Like lyrically it's problematic, especially these days, but like but like sonically and mm-hmm. musically and how and how catchy it is, it's probably mm-hmm. my favorite song on the album. Right. And then to hear I write sins, not tragedies, which is like a pretty pretty bad song. Um, <laughs> it's bad in the way that like I'm not okay is bad, right? But in and the I, context I, of this record, it's like, right. wow, what a fucking cool song! <laughs> but like you, you read the lyrics and you're just like, no, that that's not a good song right there. But I can still like, like, dance along to it, bob along to it, and yeah, and and he, I mean, just his cadence, like it's so, I don't know, it's so yeah, fun this to al- listen to. My main criticism about this album. And I guess kind of the early works of Panic! The Disco because it doesn't hold up uh, moving forward, which we'll get to. But my main criticism of this is that the lyrics are fucking nonsense. Yes. And if Brendan Urie wasn't such a great singer, mm-hmm. there's no way this would have worked. Oh no, not at all. There's, yeah, there's no, there's no like set rhyming structure. It's just no, a bunch of dumb high school poetry. That's what I was going to say. Like, sung very well. The, the first track. 
the only difference between martyrdom etc um, yeah that's like the only track that has rhyming in it out of the yeah. rest of the album which is like is cool for the time because it is different but yeah. it's still again like you said high school diary kind of stuff yeah so, and then and, it's, and it has that dumb misog like high school misogyny too where it's like it's like the, 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 the poor groom's bride is a whore you know so like, <laughs> like, you exactly. can't get away with that these days but well like, then i wonder who who is he supposed to be in that song because like so he's, he's overhearing believe... the bridesmaid and the waiter talking and then he comes in and says haven't you people heard of? like that whole thing and i'm like <laughs> so, I so believe... is, he, is he the groom or <laughs> yeah so with, after hearing that song for so many times i believe he's the groom who's just uh... in denial that his that oh, his future okay. that his bride to be is sleeping sure. around with a bunch of everybody I was like, is he just like a random guest at the wedding, or is, <laughs> is he the groom? Losing he, the goddamn he's only, door, he's only, no! He's only 18 years old, so I was har- having a hard time believing he was the groom in that See, scenario. Yeah, this, which, which is what I mean, like a fucking 17, 18-year-old writing this stuff. But again, this is uh, Ryan Ross writing this. Uh, he wrote all the lyrics for the first two and a half albums as well. So have you not... read up on Ryan Ross at all? Ryan Ross. He was the lead guitar player. Yes. Him, him and somebody went off to be in their own band after Pretty Odd, right? Yes. So, yeah. um, then, I think it's Brent Wilson, I believe, who, who joined no, him. Brent never uh, saw the light of day after this album. They like oh, kicked really? him out and there's, <laughs> there's no information about him ever since, except him oh, to be okay. like, like, they told the press that it was mutual, but it really wasn't. And <laughs> so, he passed and then, me a note in fourth period <laughs> that he wasn't going to come to Vampire Day, so we had to pick him out of the bar. The, the new bass player and the guy you mentioned, God, what's his name? Ryan Ross. They they broke off after Pretty oh. Odd and made one album, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I also wanted to, I, I don't know, because I don't know if you're aware of this, it was a big scandal at the time, mm. but now it's just gone completely quiet, but around the time that this album became super big, uh, going into Pretty Odd, uh, mm. Ryan Ross was, there were, there were pictures that were leaked of Ryan Ross, and Two very, very, very young-looking girls. Uh, I don't want to. I, I can't. I can't say that they were over 18 enough, but they looked mm. like 13 or 14. Whoa. So they were hanging out in a big mansion. Uh, he says that they were at a party, and mm. there was like there's like Hennessy and brandy and a big old bowl of a uh, white stuff mm. uh, and on the table with some cut-off lines on the glass table. Nice. So you know, that is so that. Neat. That is not on his Wikipedia page. Whatsoever. That is not on his Wikipedia page, which is which is what. So I was or or on Panic at the Discos. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was a big scandal for the time, mm-hmm. and then he's since been like, well, you know, I we were at a party. I didn't know those girls, and I didn't haven't, know. Haven't you people ever heard? Haven't you people heard? <laughs> Closing the goddamn door. <laughs> so but, uh, so he just basically he just, he just basically played stupid, and then, mm-hmm. I guess the thing just went away. I mean, that he was, was years ago. He was like eighteen at the time. He was, but you know, those <laughs> girls didn't look. Because I've seen those pictures myself, and they look very, they look, they look like training bra age. Whoa! But like, yeah. So that nice. that, that just kind of went away. And, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, like, I'm all nice. <laughs> like, that's, not, that's not what I meant. That's not. No, no. Meant you meant sarcastic nice, yeah. I meant but, like you know. nice. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I I meant nice. No, no. I meant I meant. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that's so what the, I meant. The the band he went on to be in after Pretty Odd was called The Young Veins. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, they, they they had some hype leading up to them because again, this is Ryan Ross, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know they just kind of did a thing and then they went away. That was it. Much like Ryan Ross himself. I guess so. He had a, a EP in 2013, from what it says here, but that's about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but uh, so moving on so to still uh, fever, you can't sweat out. Uh, thank you, uh, all our fans, for your constant uh, praise of this album, and I yeah, very happy. I finally shut to up it. about it now. <laughs> Keep talking about it, please do. Don't <laughs> listen to Mike. It's pretty good. I'll talk about it's pretty it. Pretty good. <laughs> As for the next album, I mean the the mm. album title says it right there, right? Pretty <laughs> odd. Three years later, well, two and a half years. Yeah, but still, that that seems like a long time for attention spans of other well, f- fifteen to eighteen year olds. Well, I know because you told the story too. You just heard a couple songs on the radio. You never thought about them ever again until two thousand mm-hmm. thirteen. Well, well yeah. in two thousand five to two thousand eight, they were touring mm-hmm. nonstop. Yes. They were just make and they were making music video after music video, even like three years down the road. Wow. And uh, they, so they finally released uh, "Pretty Odd," and you'll. Yes know that they released pretty odd because the beginning track we're so starving they're talking about how hey we we made an album for so long but we love you so much here's some songs for you something yeah something like that (laughs) we wrote some song for you (laughs) and you're just like okay that was that was an interesting intro and uh, oh and then here's guys here's the song i remember them playing on snl back in 2008 so this is it so I was looking it up, too, because uh, I knew we were going to go revisit these uh, albums here. I wanted to look up if the if they play any of these songs in their live shows nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I was, looking up, um, I was looking up a website that kind of um, tells people, oh, this is what the band played at their live show and stuff. So I looked up like the last 20 shows that Panic! Disco did. And Nine in the Afternoon is the only song from this, wow. Vices and Virtues, that they still play live. Wow. And I think we're going to explain why that might be. So I I can't believe they would still play that song because that song is nothing like how the band is now. Sure. (laughs) But it is kind of like, it still has that kind of bombastic nature to them, you know? It's it's It's, still like one of the three songs on this album that I like. Oh, wow. It's pretty bad. Three out of uh, whatever the. 15? 14? I, no, I, I, I counted the intro as well because that, that was a <laughs> that was song for you. Adam, <laughs> yeah, we wrote them for you. <laughs> that, that was all Ryan Ross right there. He wrote that one. Thank you, Ryan Ross. <laughs> wow, but... Yuri only wrote one, two, three, four, five songs on this album. Goodness Whoa. gracious! Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting how he would go on to be like the main songwriter too. I know. He'd do a much better job than Ryan Ross. Right. But this this album, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, they obviously I mean, after three years of touring on the previous album and all of the theatrical nature of their shows, like apparently it was quite quite the spectacle for their live shows at the time with like skits yeah. and different I've seen things. yeah I've seen live footage of their I've never seen them live but I've seen live footage of their shows and they like to go out like I mean they like to go all out with their shows right. they got like they've got like um, they've, like you said they got skits they've got like backdrops they've got like stuff going on in between songs they've got mm-hmm. like props going on and, and then they so wanted they, to strip it down greatly for pretty odd to be like hey guys mm-hmm. let's just all talk about peace and flowers and look there's there's a plant going up my microphone stand. Oh, and there's a plant on the other microphone stand too, guys. Ooh, what could it mean? <laughs> Does it mean the world is growing with us? I have no idea. 
<laughs> we're so deep, man. We're like 19 now. We know everything. We, we finally <laughs> took some mushrooms, and man, we're just one with the earth. <laughs> yeah. So also sonically, this music goes in a the, the music of this album goes in a different direction. It's not so much it's not so much kind of the the Las Vegas bar scene, where, but it, this is more kind of like theatrical kind of baroque kind of uh what's, what's, i guess it's more artsy more art art pop i yeah. guess and yeah. i think ross does a lot more of the vocals yeah you can hear too. him singing on some of these as well <laughs> yes and baroque pop is one of the genres here so oh, okay there you yeah. go. <laughs> i was i was thinking more aesthetically baroque but i guess they invented oh. that for <laughs> <laughs> baroque the... pop Made popular by Panic at the Disco only. <laughs> <laughs> we invented a whole Wikipedia page just for this album. <laughs> so yeah, I really could not stomach most of this album at all. It must have been I a don't huge like letdown it. for so yeah, many fans. I don't fans. like it at all, dude. Yeah, but I, I, I can imagine. I can kind of get wanting to go in this direction. You, I, I don't think, especially with how creative these kids are, I, I would think the idea of Oh, well, let's just do a fever you can't sweat out again, which mm-hmm. would have probably been just fine. successful for them. Right. You're um, only twenty one you're only twenty one years old. Like you can make a couple of you know, mediocre albums before you do your full on like Magnum opus. Yeah. That that hits misses the mark greatly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, but I can imagine that kind of need to kind of do that lightning in a bottle again. You right. Know, that uh, really where you can't sweat out was very much lightning in a bottle, especially for the time, for mm. I guess these kids too, and also for the scene at large. And I I, I think they just wanted to, to to replicate it and oh did it fall flat. Mm. I I don't know anybody that really holds this album to high right. regard. One even of online. The, I don't one of the uh reviews I read somewhere in this page said that we we might someday realize we have a pinkerton situation mm. where like <laughs> yeah where everybody hates it at first but then slowly realizes that it's a great album from what i've heard i've oh, never heard pinkerton it's, but it's been 12 years <laughs> i know and nobody's wanting to hear anything from this anymore not like, in not... the afternoon <laughs> and like like that that's a pretty good song now i could i could say 12 years later well it's um, a, it's a <clears throat> I, I feel like that was written specifically to be a single though mm-hmm. most of these yeah. songs still have that um in a bad way that nonsensical lyricism that mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense and it's just has no structure to it so it's not catchy it doesn't stick with you mm-hmm. but somehow worked in a fever you can't sweat up simply because like we said it's lightning in a bottle it just seemed mm-hmm. to work then it doesn't work here because i feel like they were overreaching you know right they thought like hey let's just do what we want and everybody will love it and it, it didn't mm. work out so not so much that that folkin around song I, I like that one that was pretty cool <laughs> but sure. that's, a, that's about it for this album it's <laughs> a minute 55 so. yeah i mean i i hear whenever i think back of this I, I i think of the dopey i think of the dopey intro i think of nine in the afternoon mm-hmm. and then i just kind of think of like this weird stage play that they're mm-hmm. trying to do 
So, but yeah. so but other than that, like I can't remember any other songs. Even I revisited this album a couple times this past week. I still mm. can't remember any no, of the songs. No, me, me either. It reminds me of that. Uh, remember uh, Jack White's kind of side project band called the Raconteurs? Yes. They had a semi-popular album in 2008. It reminds me of that album. Yeah, they're kind of going bit, for that similar aesthetic too, you know? Because Ryan Ross's vocals sound very similar to the other singer in the Raconteurs. Mm-hmm. So like you, you mix in some not so great guitar work, you know, without Jack White and you have like a watered down version of that album. Mm. So yeah, it's weird. I, 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 I'm not a fan. Yeah. Very strange album. Um, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who really enjoys this, but if you do, please let us know if you can and uh, let us know why. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just, no, I don't, I don't mean that in like a snarky way. I mean that like, let, I, I want to understand I do. why. I what, do. Yeah, you you making fun of them? Okay. <laughs> hey, this went to number two on Billboard, so I'm just saying. Well, it, it, it went to number two because this and again this certified was platinum. Certified people, platinum. This was 2008. States. Everybody was still buying. Uh, people were still buying albums back in the day, and this is the yep. follow up to a lot of people's favorite album, "A Fever You Can't Sweat Out." So there's a mm-hmm. lot of hype going in. So that doesn't surprise That's me that it went to number two. I'm like, grow up with us, Brandon Yuri. Grow up with us and make us another ma- ma- masterpiece. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, the, well, the speaking re- of masterpieces, is vices or virtues a I, masterpiece in any way? I'm not going to call it a masterpiece, but I'm going to call it my second favorite all time Panic at the Disco album. Whoa! I I mean, again, fresh ears. I had never heard anything from this album. I didn't even know this album existed. In my mind, it was just like <laughs> right. there, there's two. <laughs> Panic at the Disco albums, and then Too Rare to Live. Too Weird to Live, yeah. And so I was like, oh shit, there's a third one? Fuck! That's gonna take me so long. I don't want to listen to three Panic at the Disco albums. This is bullshit. And then I listened to it, and this album is dope. D-O-P. Really? Dope. I, right, I, I, well, well, walk me through this, man. Like, I okay. want to hear what now, this is what, exactly what you're hearing that I'm not. This is the album that they should have released instead of Pretty Odd. It's like, get rid of all the fluff, get rid of all of the, the psychedelic stuff, and make that that up-tempo pop rock a little bit of punk stuff that that we we knew from the first album and i'm 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 digging this one i gave it you gotta, and you gotta remember this is their first album without ryan ross as the primary right. uh, uh, songwriter they brought in dallin weeks i think <laughs> i think that was his name dallin weeks <laughs> right. i think i think he was the bass player but not an official member Okay. Or no, he no, he was just the artwork conception guy. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he drew Brandon, the artwork. <laughs> Brandon Yuri did everything but drums on this. So, yeah, this was like this. This bleeds well into the later stuff. Yes, this is kind of the precursor to the Yuri at the disco stuff. Yeah. So I mean, like the first what five tracks? I'm I'm all in on. I mean, I know this mm. is like John Feldman co-written co-produced stuff yeah it does have that feldman stink to it that like if he over if, Butch oh, Walker. If, yeah if feldman like overreaches as a producer which he tends to do like it kind of it kind of has that kind of like oh i want to put a dumb intro to this song and then we're, and then we're going to go into the song that has, that has nothing to do with the intro or it has that overproduction kind of like, like uh, this, this kind of hurts my ears kind of thing they had a couple of tracks that had extended outros for no reason but other That's than John that, Feldman, baby. Other than that, I was I was not hearing too much of the fluff. Maybe at the beginning of track ten, 
There's that little part where somebody's telling people to watch her fingers. I don't know what yeah. that was about. But <laughs> witches, dude. It's all, it's all about the witches. Right. And that, that track, Nearly Witches, was left over from the early days and written yeah, by I Ryan. Think I read, yeah, I think I read it was an older song that they repurposed. Yeah. But um, yeah, th- this was a step in the right direction. Like you I said, um, really liked this album. Okay, I was cool. in shock. Like uh, "Ballad of Mona Lisa," man, what a what a great opening. Um, "Let's Kill Tonight" sounds like something that could be on the later years, but I mm. still like this is that's a sounds like a song I I would have enjoyed from you know "Prayer for the Wicked" or uh, "Death of a Bachelor." And mm-hmm. I think "Hurricane" was a pretty incredible song, like really. And then uh, "The Calendar," holy shit. Where's that song? Where's that song been all my life? That is a pretty good song. Here, right? Man, but I, I I give a thumbs down to three of these tracks. Uh, Ready to go, get me out of my mind, and always is kind of a boring Pete Wentz co-wrote uh, ballad. <laughs> oh, and Pete Wentz co-wrote the calendar. How about that? <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> it's all so... the stuff that Pete Wentz touches. You don't want. <laughs> You want no part in it. <laughs> well, I'm good with the calendar, but not with always, oh, which sure. is weird. Yeah, yeah. How does that happen when they're right next to each other? And I hate one, but I love the other. Uh, anyway. uh, <laughs> and then Sarah Smiles is just his ode to his wife. And uh, I, could, yeah. I, could, I, could, I could do without that song. But it, it, it's, it's pleasant. I, I, I like it enough. But I'm also I, a sucker for, like, you know, sappy love songs. I, I like the, the harmonies. But other than that, I'm just like, this is the guy who's, like, talking about a lot of... I don't know. It just reminded me of in Death of the Bachelor where he's being a crazy lunatic and then like he reminded me that he's married at the time and I was like, wait a minute, how can he do all this stuff and be married at the same time? Like, <laughs> he's oh, living yeah. that crazy rock star life, he's baby. Brand, you know? he's, he's Brandon Yuri. He he's can do Brandon anything. Yuri, yeah. <laughs> if you were married to Brandon Yuri, you let him do anything he wanted. I probably would. I bet you would. <laughs> so I was very, very impressed with this particular album and was not expecting it. Had never heard any songs. But for you in 2011, was it just, did it miss the mark? In 2011, um, keep in mind, I, I, I've been following this band's career since 2005. Not totally, at the time, not being totally impressed with them, save for a few songs. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, I, I, like in the back of my mind, I was always like, you know, good for them for at least standing out in this in the scene right, right? but right. um because they so could have gone really, many many different directions yeah after pretty odd and this seemed like the right direction <laughs> so after pretty odd and being very disappointed in that and not really revisiting it a lot mm-hmm. i believe this is probably the this week i think this is like the first time i've listened to that album in full since 2008 but um so yes. i went back to listen to this um because uh, I believe like in 2013 when Too Weird came out mm-hmm. like I re-listened to Vices and Virtues to kind of refresh my memory mm-hmm. and at the time I was like well this seems safe it seems like it's too safe for Panic at the Disco like there's no, mm-hmm. there's some int- like electronic weird elements mm-hmm. that made them popular but they are kind of going into more alternative rock a little right. bit more punk elements with, with yes. like, it, but it's not as catchy right. as what um, their newer stuff would be. Where like, you know. yeah, for me, like the the few things that I like about the new era is like much more on the forefront on this yeah. album. So yeah, that was interesting. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, but I think the stuff that I like about the newer stuff that you don't like is how 
obvious some of the songs are written to be singles, but for me, I feel like they work. Um, yeah, there's only the, the, three singles. Yeah, three singles. Yeah, and and, and had you heard least, them? Had you heard them on the radio? No, which is strange hmm. because like I listened to the album, but I never heard like maybe I might have seen a music video or something, but just mm. in passing. But I never heard any of these songs in rotation. Mm. These songs aren't played in Target. Like nine in the afternoon is still played at Target, which yeah. is weird because like let it go. <laughs> yeah, let it go. Because like there's a lot more newer Panic at the Disco songs you could be playing at Target. But um, uh, and by the way, when I say Target, I mean like the radio at my work. <laughs> I don't work at Target, but uh, but Mike like what I mean is like, it's, it's, Target. It's, it's 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 in the zeitgeist, I guess I should still say it's in the rotation of like store radios. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, these... there's nothing from this album is ever played. It just, for me, it, like this album just kind of came and went. And it seems like, like it's too heavy to be played in store radios. Yeah, there's <laughs> not much like I, I don't think like mainstream about this album, uh, which I think is which I think is the reason why it's kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would. I, so for me, this feels like Brandon Urie's kind of practice run mm-hmm. until the big giant albums that would come uh, uh, much of which would come soon. So for me, when I think of Panic at the Disco, like you, this feels like a lost era. (laughs) They had a fever to sweat out and then five years later and and then eight years later, um, too weird to live. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Oh, well they're, they're back baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And and they're completely different, but uh, yeah. So it, so this doesn't like stand out of my mind, but re-listening to it, this past week i did get a better appreciation of it because they would go and refined this sound uh, for their latter trilogy yeah well i i know i haven't always been a john feldman fan but i can give him some credit on this or haven't been that big of a pete wentz fan but i like a well, couple john of feldman's the tracks. Pro- john feldman's production style works for certain bands mm-hmm. panic the disco would be one of those bands Oh. they are super theatrical and stuff but okay. it does still have like like you said like oh here's an extended outro for no reason like that's a john <laughs> feldman staple there you go you know there john you feldman go. ruined the used <laughs> well he maybe did, the used did, ruined the used <laughs> he, he did lies for the liars but yeah you know, i think that was the last one. <laughs> oh, he's no he's he worked with um he worked with them for a, a bunch of other albums too not all of them but like um he he didn't do artwork, but I think he did the one after artwork, mm. which the one I didn't really like a lot. But the, anyway, vulnerable. Yeah, yes. that one sucks. Oh, he did he did escape the fate. Ungrateful, my favorite escape mm. the fate album. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, the John Feldman fan of the show. I know. Oh yeah, imaginary enemy. There he is. He did yeah. uh, wretched and divine. He did tracing back roots. There you go. He sure did. Yeah. Man, the the best uh, the best uh, week week car album. Right. So I felt like I just felt like this album molded very well into Too Weird to Live, which yeah. is still it was my favorite album up until now. Um, mm. But I'd only heard the last three, so yeah. going back and listening to this, I was like, oh well, this is like this seems like the safer version <laughs> of the last album. Yeah, so. this one kind. Of, so moving on to to too weird to live too rare to die um it's, it, in hindsight now in 2013 this felt like super fresh mm-hmm. and it felt like you know this is brendan you at the top of his game at the top of his songwriting game this mm-hmm. is this is him like unhinged but like especially now for now that pray for the wicked is out mm-hmm. like this seems this seems kind of quaint 
It's it's you know? it's almost nostalgic now because it's been seven yeah. years, and I mean yeah. Miss Jackson Miss Jackson is still a great song. I can't deny oh, I that. I love it. I love and, this uh, gospel. I love. I know you don't like the song, but like girls, girls, boys. Yeah, oh, fucking I, love that song. Dude. I really tried with that song. It's just not my thing. Mm. Um, but I still give this one a six out of ten. Okay. Like far too young to die sounds like it could be on Crash Love, which is really interesting. Yeah, it I does have kind it. of that. Yeah, it does have that kind of. Uh, glamorous kind of feel to it and apparently vegas lights is now the song that they play when the vegas golden knights make a goal you know and whenever hockey comes back again like that's that's the song that plays when they score a goal well good for them every (laughs) time they they score a goal brendan yuri makes another two million (laughs) dollars just i hope at least that and now this is when Dallin Weeks was on bass guitar and Spencer Smith on drums. So yeah, like, this oh, is Spencer last Smith's last album. Yeah. But that Miss Jackson song is pretty incredible, and he's got a lot of co-writers for that one. But it's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that just means like they consulted and they were mm-hmm. like, they're like, hey, you want to hear this song? I'll give you a writing credit if you, <laughs> if you give me your feedback. I'm like, okay, I, cool. I I don't remember hearing a female voice on there, but apparently there is. Um. Yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the at intro? the beginning. Sorry, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> I was like, oh, you mean before the song starts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a feature credit <laughs> if you let me steal your sample. Right. But uh, so yeah, this is this is where like I jumped in. Obviously, when you gave such high reviews to this album, and I was like pretty impressed by it at the time, giving it a six out of ten. I didn't think I'd ever give a six out of ten to a Panic at the Disco album. Oh yeah. Know, at that point. But and uh, for some reason, on. I didn't go backwards because I, I think I just took your 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 lead and said like, "Yeah, hey, you don't need to go backwards. It's not that important." You know, we're moving on to the future now, baby. Yeah, old music. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on to Death of the Bachelor. We get, I think we gave this uh, a track by track review. If I did correct me, early 2016, oh. sad Mike days. Sad oh, Mike days. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's fair to say that these songs, in hindsight, aren't... though. Death of a Bachelor kind of summarized what January 2016 was. Oh, no! Now? Now. Like, just the, (laughs) not the overall feel of the album, which is all about, like, having a good time, but for Mike in general. (laughs) Yeah. So You're right, dude. (laughs) You're right. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that at the time. Interesting, because the album. Right. I did so... give this kind of like a, a poo-poo review, and it, right. And both I guess, of us did. Both of us yeah, did. listening to re-listening. I didn't re-listen to it this past week. I just listened to the old stuff. But uh, thinking back on it, like the, the songs are still not as impressive no. as uh, the two I, to live uh, stuff. I still gave it the same like six out of eleven that I gave it back in 2016. It's like Victorious is a cool song. Hallelujah mm-hmm. is a good song. I like Emperor's New Clothes. Um, L.A. Devotee. I think you know, that was Yeah, L.A. Devotee, that's a good song, too. Uh, House, of, that, I, House of Memories is a really good song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that being a good song. I like but, Impossible Year, too. It's kind of a sappy outro mm-hmm. song, but like, I, I kind of like it. It's so Frank Sinatra. Like, we might it as well is. put Sinatra as a co-writer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they brought him back from the dead to, to the feature on the song. I like but, you know that, that that's his influence you know the 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 uh, the yeah. uh, cocktail kind of uh, Vegas vibes that, right. that's always been there that's always been and their thing. The good, the bad, and the dirty is a pretty cool song. Sure, yeah. Um, but this was me coming out of that American Beauty, American Psycho 
like mm. high that I was on at the end of 2015. So like I, this wasn't as, as good as that one particular album from that band. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but I was still like, like I, I, like the, you know, good, the bad and the dirty house of memories have that American beauty, American psycho vibe to them. So yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So you're right. But no Pete, but yeah. Wentz, no Pete wants to be found, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, he's he, he's done his part. Maybe right. he's a little jealous that this band has kind of gotten out of control. <laughs> but it's like you can feel at least Brendan Urie having a good time in his life by this oh, yeah. stage. He's just like, you he's know what? I'm just going to party. Baby. Y'all can suck it. Whatever. I'm. I everybody knows I'm a great singer by now, so I don't need to tell you anymore. And yeah, that, that that's kind of just where he went from that. And you he know, kind of needs to just write his write 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 what he knows how to write, and people are going to gobble it up. That's why I was just really. Like, excited for pray for the wicked when that yeah. was coming out has but your opinion of pray for the wicked kind of changed at all by one song <gasps> I man i remember a... being so excited when this album came out and we were i remember we were, my family and i were coming over to your house to barbecue and i was like oh man i'm gonna talk to al to talk to adam about this and we're gonna gush over the album and I was talking about how much I liked it, and you were like, no. Mike, Mike, I've slept four hours in the last three days. <laughs> Let's talk about Brandon Urie's Excited About Life album. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, oh, man, I really tried. I gave it another listen for the first time since 2018 this week, and it's like, oh, man, the, the first two tracks, yeah, uh, I like a lot. Uh, Silver Lining and Say Amen, those are dope songs. But that middle just, like... I can't do it. Oh boy, I man! Do it. I cannot disagree with you more. I I, I love this. I think this this one is my favorite uh, Panic at the Disco album. Like this one makes, oh. in my opinion, uh, Too Rare to Live seem like amateur shit. Like this is Brendan Urie, like writing the most catchy songs of his career. This is his vocally. I think he's at his best here. Um, this it, it, it's just like has everything that I love about. Panic at the Disco and their music, and this kind of compiles it all into one album. In my Look at all those songwriters. Holy moly! You know what? Literally six songwriters <laughs> on every song. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> for, but you for know, a guy he's who's got a, the influence. He's a solo artist now. <laughs> yeah, but he's also got that influence. You know, he 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 has that. He he's famous enough to where he can just kind of do. God. How many, violin, how many violin players did he need? Jeez. <laughs> like 12 violin players on this album. There's a lot of violin players. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway. But uh, yeah, dude, like it, it, it sounds bombastic in the way that you want that Panic at the Disco sound. sound I, know. You know? I, like, I like King of the Clouds. I definitely like that song a lot. That's and a great song. obviously Dying in L.A. is a great song. Mm. Um, but that, that's that's it. I mean, me. any song that can take the piss out of L.A. and let you know that L.A. is not as great as you think it is, you know, I, I accept it. Dodger not, fans. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not romanticize L.A. more than L.A. Right. tries to romanticize itself. Yes, but I mean, I would love to have more songs that, that hit me in that way. Mm. But I can't. Even now that I'm in a better place than I was in June of 2018. Yeah, you're, you're sleeping a couple more hours than you were back then. Man, June 22nd. Wow. <laughs> what an interesting time that that, that that time was. The time to be alive. I know. I know. Um, here we are, two years later, and I'm getting peed on. 
only three times this morning. <laughs> and 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 this is you being, and this is you in, in a better place in your life. Hey, I slept. I slept a solid seven hours last night. I'm great. <laughs> but, Apparently, um, I'm looking. I, I just pulled up the wiki page for Pray for the Wicked. Mm-hmm. Kate Micucci of mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, of Garfunkel, Garfunkel and Oates fame. Yes, is background vocals on uh, track nine, King of the Clouds. Why? What? There she is. <laughs> Kate okay. Makuchi. Interesting. Now I gotta re-listen to that song and try to try to find it with the other twelve background vocals <laughs> that are in this song. Too. I thought it was just you know numerous Yuri overdubs. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. It's just so weird when you get like so many different producers for different songs. But whatever. What do, yeah. I, what do I know? <laughs> it's come a long way since Fever uh, Kids went out. Jake Sinclair, Ryan Roth, do all his work for him. <laughs> Jake Sinclair, well, he takes all the credit. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it looks like the bass player did most of the uh, producing. So, uh, but yeah, there's like 15 different producers for this, and whatever. It's it's one of the best albums, according to Mike. Let's just, according let's to just me, leave it at that. According to you, it's okay. Yeah, and I'm still like now I'm I'm even more excited again to hear the next incarnation, and I think. In 2018, they had to kick out their then bass player um, for uh, soliciting underage girls. You know, that's not something that you know they're strangers. The, the band Panic at the Disco are strangers. Yeah. That's what I was wondering if you were if you were sure it was the right band member. That you were well, it was about. specifically Ryan Roth. I remember like, okay. that being a thing. Back in and the day. This was, uh, yeah, this, so that came out like shortly after uh-huh. he got kicked out of the band. Long, so, okay, so yes, longtime touring guitarist Kenneth Harris would be dim- dismissed September 2018. Multiple allegations of sexual misconduct involving underage fans. Well, well, and then they got somebody new like two weeks later. So there you go. Yeah, well, this band is just Brendan Yuri and and the collective at this point is just whoever he gets in the studio or on tour to come join him. But he does. As you can see in the credits here, he does most of the songwriting. He plays most of the instruments. He writes, even, including the drums as well. So, you know, this is basically his solo project at this point. So. And then he had one of the all, all-time greatest cover songs of all time at the end of 2019. Oh. <laughs> you talking about Bohemian Rhapsody? No, the other oh. cover song. Which one was that? His, 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 he finally broke into the Disney realm, Mike. Disney oh, paid him a lot right. of money oh, no. to screech his ever fucking head off. <laughs> Sing so loud, so <laughs> loud that I have to turn down every time my daughter is like, play that album. And she's finally sick of it, thankfully, after six months now. <laughs> but, because Frozen 2 is not good. It's just, it's, it's, it, it, it grades on the soul. Sure. To, hear that song at the end of the movie now that i've watched it 75 times dude you you know so, that now that you've followed brendan yuri's career you know that he's been a struggling musician and i know disney finally threw him a bone and like hey we're gonna pay you millions of dollars <laughs> to sing this elsa song for us yes. can you please do that and millionaire like, you know, brendan yuri you know my fans have children now so <laughs> they're gonna be wanting to hear me at the end That's of this brutal. of this long long movie <laughs> they grew and... up they grew up thinking they could try to get rid of me but no <laughs> here i am back into their lives <laughs> i'm always there to remind them of closing a goddamn door 
That's all yep. I have to say. Close that goddamn door. So that's... Borgusman is a whore. <laughs> now, Bohemian Rhapsody, on the other hand, is, is that is that good? I haven't heard that version. Oh no, it's, it's all right. It's all right. I okay. mean, it, I... it sounds just it sounds just like Queen. Okay. It, it, exactly it, it doesn't do Queen. anything different. Yeah. Okay. I would have hoped that with somebody with talent, could make that song sound kind of cool as a reimagining. But whatever. What do I know? To, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is a hard song to cover because it's already so unique and bombastic. Like, what else are you gonna do with it? Like how else? How else mm-hmm. you, What else can you? What other spin can you have on that song, while keep while staying true to the nature of that song mm-hmm. and make it any different? You know, right. you either just do it. You, just, you either just do the song yourself, or completely fuck it up. And I've heard I've heard bands do it both ways. There was a punk ghost classic rock cover of Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. that tried to do it their own way, completely fucked it up. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Brendan Urie way where you just do the song and <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. like, what is it, eight minutes later and they, yeah. however many hundreds of thousands of dollars that he gets paid. Pretty so, much, yep. It works, it works. He's, he's figured it out. <laughs> I'm glad that the struggling musician, Brendan Urie, mm-hmm. now has more ways to get <laughs> filthy rich. That queen money, that I Disney know. money, that collaborative Panic at the Disco money. Man, he's, he's got a lot of people to pay still for Panic <laughs> at the true. Disco. There's a lot of people associated with that act. <laughs> but, you know, he can afford it. I hope so. I hope so. What so, are your now overall it, thoughts on uh, Panic at the Disco? Now that well, them all? it's definitely was better in the past <laughs> I hate oh, to say. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just I'm, I'm happy that I have a well-rounded view of where it was because it was so influential and I can imagine if I had been your age you know in, in 2005 well maybe maybe not your age because you were you were like 19 at the time but you know still yeah, high, but high I was school. also like I was also like this me I'm not into this music. right I like underrose and jean right. <laughs> and devil and Prada. <laughs> but if I had been in high school like you know I, I would have been all over that like hardcore yeah but one thing that they did do right and we talked about this briefly they they captured everyone's attention i they guess that's so true. unique and like they i didn't, demanded your attention i didn't ask for it though they just kept showing it to me <laughs> on little Sit, clips but i'm gonna need you to teeth <laughs> yeah you know little clips on vh1 and mtv was the only time that i would see that that video and i meant to go back and watch it this week because i don't think i've seen it all the way through ever um but maybe i'm not missing too much i um, mean they the music videos have always been entertaining and theatrical yeah. Okay. But, uh, you, you know, it is what it is, whether you're whether you're searching for it or not. If you're mm-hmm. flipping through the channels and you see teenage boys in female blouses, <laughs> like it's going to grab your attention. You're going to stop and you're going to listen. <laughs> An eyeliner. Don't forget the eyeliner. An eyeliner. Yeah. And top hats. <laughs> yes. Blouses, eyeliner and top hats. Right. And we needed something to like spur a transition out of yeah. the, the blandness of the earlier part of that decade and yeah. into, you know, what became a pretty interesting shift in the culture musically yeah. after that you in know, a let... scene where all of brendan yuri's peers are wearing black v-necks and yes. swoopy haircuts yes. and black nail polish and tight jeans with yes. a little bit of holes in them Sense. Like it's refreshing fallout, to... fallout yeah. boy rules yeah and it's, <laughs> it's refreshing to see you know 
somebody wearing Baruch outfits and <laughs> pop hats and looking like they're the circus, they're circus performers, you know? Right. And if I had, if I had had access to a streaming service at the time, I probably would have listened to it just for that element, but yeah, I wasn't too much of a hassle for you yeah. to ask me to burn it for you. <laughs> right. And we didn't even know each other at the time, That's true. So, yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't have gone to Best Buy to spend $22 on that album. No, I did it for you, baby. Finally. And, 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 uh, and 15 years later, you, you didn't need me to do it for you. <laughs> you did it yourself. But thank you for joining me on this journey because I, I oh, felt like course, dude. we needed to we, we needed to explore that a yeah, little bit. So we got to figure out what we want to review uh, next week. Do you have any well, ideas? I'm listening to Palais Royale. And oh. so I, I'll have all three of their albums digested by next okay. week. And, you can, um, do you want to do a deep dive on that? Or do you want to just kind of uh, talk casually about what you've been listening to? Or do you want to do another track-by-track review of a classic album? Hmm. Well, it's hard to do track by track over the, the, uh, Oh, sure. But like I mentioned, like, like I mentioned when we were uh, talking about this, like we, it's, it's something that we'd be familiar with that way. We just kind of listen to it a couple times during the week, not have to devote an entire week to it. So when we do talk about it, we're well familiar with it and we can, I just add it in post, you know? Yeah. I'm, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Anyway. We'll talk about it off air then. So, so Pale, what else Pale would be fine with me? Cool. I'm absorbing them. Okay, well, we can talk about the uh, newest album and kind of throw in the conversation with the older albums as well. Right, the boom, boom, so boom. What else have you been listening to besides Panic so at the Disco? I listened to that first EP from Savage Hands ah. because I enjoyed their first full length from earlier right. this year so much. Like, that's a definite top 10 contender. Yeah, right we definitely there. talked very briefly about their album from this past, uh, the, uh, in last week's episode. But what'd you think of their debut? Their debut EP was, uh, well, their debut album, you mean? Or the EP? <laughs> uh, yeah, the EP, yeah. The EP is pretty, pretty boss. Okay, I will. Because I haven't, I haven't listened to it, so you're going to have to sell me on it. Okay. I mean, if, if you enjoy the full length, then you will definitely enjoy this one. Yeah, um, I it's, imagine it's probably not much different, huh? It's one of those things, again, where you're just like, I, I, I can't imagine like a bunch of no name guys writing songs this hooky and memorable like by themselves <laughs> it feels still like like creative consultant kind of stuff <laughs> and they don't they, they, they don't uh, t- uh share much about like who produced their album and that kind of That's stuff secret yes yeah, so, <laughs> um but yeah the uh the the first four tracks on this ep pretty the awesome EP is called uh barely alive right? yeah i get a lot of hardest vibes from them just you know, strong vocals and heavy chugging guitars kind of thing, but like I don't know, hardest the debut for... album was like that as well too. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I'm I'm digging it, and uh, I encourage everybody else to check out "Barely Alive," the first EP from 2018. Yeah, it's got seven tracks. Looks like there no filler in there either. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I've been meaning to check this out, but uh, okay, know, I got I've got other stuff on my plate. It's kind of long for a seven track EP. It's closer to 25 minutes. 30 minutes maybe but uh you know if you have if you can spare the time go for it <laughs> yeah especially especially if you enjoyed the uh the debut album from this year yes in your eyes oh definitely then go back and check it out you won't be disappointed very cool very cool so mike Speaking tell of... me about the 1960s the 1960s particularly <laughs> 1968 there was an album that came out called uh waiting for the sun have you heard of this album I've heard of it many times, and I'm 
this came out in July of 68 after yeah, uh, something like strange that. days came out in September of 67. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> they're just cranking out the tunes here. <laughs> you think they were like in quarantine and just writing, <laughs> just writing shit from home the entire it's time. Right? <laughs> surprising <laughs> when you look at how on drugs and alcohol, they all were. It's like, how did any of this get done? I, I think their producer was the only one holding them together, <laughs> and somehow they made this work. <laughs> kind of reminds me of this story that the, uh, Stephen King likes to share. Like he, like he went to a cabin to write one of his books. He took a bunch of fucking cocaine mm. and blacked out. And when he woke up, he had like a he had a he had the book all done. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> like when he like sobered up, like he like his book was done, <laughs> and he doesn't remember writing it. It's like I don't need uh, to go back and proofread it or anything. I send it to the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so waiting for the sun. This is the third album from the Doors uh, in like two years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, this kind of moves. In no, my one, opinion, this, this one this and a half years. One and oh half yeah, years. yeah, sure. <laughs> this 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 to me, this album kind of moves a little bit away from the psychedelic rock that I think most this, people know them about. Right. And this is more kind of whimsical. This is this is the the pop album, I would say. Yeah, like, this one I, sounds more accessible. It's, it starts off with that song I think a lot of us are familiar with, "Hello, mm-hmm. I Love You." I think that was a, like that was a huge hit for them. To it went to number one. You know, yeah. A, besides "Light My Fire," I think it was their only other number one song. Yeah, you'd find this on a greatest hits for sure. But that, yeah. uh, of of all the songs that are, that are on this album, uh, it's the only one I was familiar with. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the song "Not uh, uh, Not to Touch the Earth." Okay, uh, I got a whole. Thing to talk about that right now but because it's but these pop ahead. songs though are so like love street summer's almost gone wintertime love those songs are weird like they don't fit right you know i i, I like I, I like the song summer's almost gone i i like that song it's probably one of my favorite songs on this album to be oh, honest okay. but the song my wild love yes. that is a fucking incredible Ooh. song oh my god it's, i know it stands I, I, out of this I, entire like even like they're they're just their discography to this point yes for the third for the first three that that is the most unique yes incredible fantastic song yes of the doors that i've heard so far oh my god do they like, write I, I, do they I, have I, more songs that are like of this vein no unfortunately wow, really but, like I, I had forgotten i knew this song was on this album but like, I don't think I'd ever really let it register with me. I knew I had liked it many, many years ago, and but I, I never realized how unique it was until I was listening to it this week. I was like, holy shit, this is like everything. This is this is like the quintessential Doors song, right here. Which um, is strange to say because like, yeah. it doesn't sound like anything else that they've written. Right. It's like it's- storytelling. It's psychedelic. It's crazy it's it's all acoustic there's no so minimalistic too yeah it's just so it's just a listener it's just words and tambourine yeah for the listener out there it's like it's 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 almost an acapella song that Mm -hmm. has like chanting in the background like you said there's some tambourine to kind of give it some uh to give it like a to give it a beat yes but wow it's it's so unique and it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like slam poetry almost um which we'll get to slam poetry in a bit <laughs> but uh and it's but, got i mean it's got the same you know melodic structure throughout the whole yes. thing but then they bring it down and then they bring it back up again and you're mm-hmm. just like wow like i i did not realize how cool that was for until a song that's like <laughs> yeah for a song that's like barely under three minutes 
it takes mm-hmm. you to all these different places and it ebbs and flows and it's it's the standout track to me on mm-hmm. this album and uh, a few times when i was listening to this album this week I, w- I would listen to the album in full then i would go back and just listen to my wild love again because i love that song so much it's pretty it dope. so good it's, it's oh. one of the uh, the high points of the movie is when they're all doing acid oh. out in the desert and they're they're doing that song um like it's it's a short clip it's probably less than a minute um but it's like it's it's pretty pretty powerful because they're like you know they're doing the whole acid trip kind of thing and then yeah so uh, if you ever watch that movie you'll you'll probably enjoy that part too after i'm done with this discography my plan is to go uh, and check out that val Val kilmer movie if you find like a real documentary somewhere that might be a little bit more informative but, <laughs> but is this the know. closest thing we got to a, a documentary is Un- the unfortunately movie? unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah i mean there there is a a documentary out there from 2009 and i can't remember the name of it but i think mm-hmm. i really think scott wyland is the narrator of it oh cool. and i know I've, I've watched that and it for me it wasn't anything i hadn't already heard in 2009 so like it wasn't that you know poignant but um the information is probably valuable to someone like me, yeah, right? Yeah, who, yeah. who hasn't had a, doesn't have a history with this band and right. just kind of learning it. Definitely. So um, yeah, and so it's weird. Like you know, you got the first half of the album a lot more of the of the pop stuff, except for "Not to Touch the Earth," which is bizarrely placed right there at mm. track three. <laughs> so, well, where else are you going to put it, though? You know, I, it, I would have put it like before or after "My Wild Love," in, in my opinion. But I, in my opinion. Spanish Caravan. Come on, Spanish Caravan. Oh, yeah. Great song, dude. Spanish Caravan is like, like that was the first time because that track was on the Greatest Hits album. And I had never, you know, heard a Doors song that was that experimental and just like not radio sounding Doors music at that point. Yeah. And it stands out in the context of this album, too, because like you said, this is a little bit more poppy. It's a little more accessible. Mm -hmm. And from my opinion it's 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 less psychedelic there's some psychedelic elements but mm-hmm. it's less psychedelic but more whimsical and i don't know if that was something that was con- a, a conscious effort with the band mm-hmm. going into this because you had told me too that um the first two albums were a kind of a product of jim morrison's old poetry yes he would just kind of insert those into songs and then they wrote and he would go back and write these specifically for an album Mm-hmm. so i think that shows mm-hmm. that you, you can tell that there was a conscious effort in the lyricism to make it fit for a song yes. um, which maybe that takes away some of the psychedelic elements of it but you know I, it fits for me it, it, it's definitely a genre mm-hmm. genre shift but it, right. it still I, sounds like the doors because i know at that time i mean they were definitely getting that you know we need a single make us a single you know, we're not going to do anything unless you have like a big hit single kind of stuff. Mm. So that's where the hello, I love you's come from where it's just like, okay, well that's, that's a song, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And of the time too, they would always, when they released albums, like they would always put the, the label would always put like the big single that right at front. Cause that's what people yeah. buy the album for anyway. Right. Um, so yeah, I had forgotten about Spanish caravan, unknown soldier, you know, like them attempting at a political kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool i i know live that song always went off really well because like the band would basically like like robbie krieger would would hold his guitar up as a gun and aim it at jim's head oh and, shit um and like densmore would be like doing the drum roll and ray would be shouting out like that present arms 
fire and then they like shoot nice. him on stage and then he like you know die and then be like sing the next verse while he's like laying on the on the stage and like it was pretty pretty dramatic especially for 1968 <laughs> so. you know for a political song in 19 was there something going on politically in 1968 I don't know. i'm not aware of there wasn't i mean of 60 was war in pretty qu- quiet in year Asia? pretty quiet war you know uh yeah, you may not have heard thing. of it you know <laughs> Arthur king you know yeah, 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 or yeah. Something, so. race, um, race riots things like that yeah whatever yeah but, uh... <laughs> so my other standout track besides spanish caravan was uh yes the river knows which Ooh. is is you know again like it's like the poppy one but it's it's mm-hmm. like a really really good uh low tempo piano based song so uh, yeah yeah. This album is paced really well. Uh, it's interesting. Like you yeah. just brought it. Yeah, um, it's 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 got its it's got its poppiness. It's got its slow moments. It's got its it's got its weird. We're gonna take you in this direction now, and then we're gonna bring mm-hmm. it back to kind of like the accessible stuff again, and and then and then it goes to my wild love, and it's like and that that song blows my fucking mind. And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. And then five to one. That was like the angriest sounding song I had ever heard. Yeah, in, dude. What a great way to end this album. Whew, man, that was in the, the greatest hits as well. I had never heard it before. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really good closer. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. Yeah. So, uh, so moving back now to the oh, song, yes. Not to Touch the Earth. Go for uh, it. You had shared with me that that was part of a collective sort of a performance piece i suppose yes um of a 17 minute uh 14 14 and a half minutes with a live version that you shared with yes. me but yes. um a 17 minute piece that with for, for lack of a better term is fucking epic <laughs> <laughs> it's it's intense i had forgotten how frightening yeah, dude frightening the first like three to four minutes of that song are because i hadn't heard so, it in like 20 years now <laughs> it starts off with some slam poetry mm-hmm. that, and it turns into i guess it will wake up is more of more slam poetry and then it goes into a the song like a, a song called a, a little game yes. which is kind of like a there's some spoken word song stuff mm-hmm. in it, but then it kind of transitions into like a song, um, a song track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of, and, th- and that kind of flows into another song called the Hill Dwellers. Right. And then that flows neatly into not to touch the earth, which is part mm-hmm. of this album. We wait, uh, waiting for the sun, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It, so I didn't read up on it and the, and, and celebration of the lizard, which is what we're talking about is so, allegorical and so full of metaphors that i didn't have the time to kind of research all of it <laughs> right I, I, but it's I, fucking trippy so like why do you know why they took that song and put I, it into this album you know i wish i knew more about it than i do because like as much of the deep diving i tried to go into back in the early days of the internet like i could never find a real concise, you know, what the fuck was, were they trying to do with this <laughs> other than just make this giant performance piece that like would make a freaking statement. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's not too much that I could find now other than. Yeah. There's like, it, so like, as, like I mentioned with all the allegorical stuff that's in there, like 
I don't understand what's going on, mm-hmm. but it sounds political. And there's something about like eyes on your nipples and <laughs> being covered in semen. Yes. And there's like stuff that, like that. <laughs> there's that whole performance piece element. <laughs> uh, what, what, was that on the Hill Dwellers part? I think that was the Hill Dwellers. Yeah. That was right before yeah. it, it, it bled into like, oh, okay, I'm familiar with this segment right here not to touch the earth so. and all i'm going with is that it's just it's just a bad trip like the the whole first like three sections mm. are just like a bad trip and then it's just like like a, a freaking tr- metamorphosis transformation yeah it kind of way. brought me back to when i listened to the first album and like i f- and, and, and i don't know if the listener remembers when i talked about that album but like i would feel like I've escaped my body a little bit in a psychedelic sort of way. So this kind of brought me back to that where, you know, waiting for the sun is a little bit more like, Hey, we're writing a, writing a pop album. We're like celebration (laughs) of the lizard is like, is, is that weird fucking out of body experience. That's like, what the fuck dude, there's fucking eyes on my nipples. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's shit like that. And it's like, Whoa, what a fucking transcendent experience. And with the snake being snake being in their bed and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I was never sure how much of it was just like a a, a weird sexual fever dream or (laughs) what was just, but now I'm just kind of going with like the whole first half is just a bad trip. And then it's like this transformative process that takes you into like this beautiful place by the end. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I, I think I'm just going to leave it at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you guys have the chance, go check out the full um, it's 17 minutes. Or if you find the studio version, it's 17 minutes long. Somehow the live I have, which I haven't heard. I don't know why the live version is shorter. They probably just up the, the tempo a little the bit. The studio version has a lot it has more stuff in it that didn't oh. seem to fit. Like I did find the one version and then it just ended really, really bizarrely. Um, oh, and okay. Just cause I, I was so used to that live version for so many years and that was like the only way that you could hear it. So I was just like, eh, this isn't really catching the same feel that I remember. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if you still, yeah, if, if you, you find the live version, the celebration of lizard, it, it's still fits because mm-hmm. i was telling adam off air that even when the audience comes in and the the audience in this version is like oddly polite because i think they're just along for the ride but mm-hmm. in the during the transition tracks they would come in and um you know give their reaction but it fits somehow and it kind of adds to the majesty of each piece yes and i don't know so the live version is perfectly fine so go check that out it's it, adam gave me the youtube version so that's where I listen to it. Right. Like you think should it was, be able to find it somewhere like on a, like on your streaming services or something. Yeah. I think it was like the doors absolutely live something or other. Yeah. This was um, released um, as a piece. So you might be able to find it there too as well. Cause you can hear people clapping at the beginning of not to touch the earth, but at the very beginning of the song, when you start saying lions in the street, um, mm-hmm. you hear about like five or six people cheer and <laughs> the rest of the crowd is very quiet. So yeah. um, like, like those were probably the people that had been, following the doors on tour because <laughs> they were only touring for not that long overall mm, so right. there was no way you could have heard this song unless you had gone to shows it wasn't like they were on the internet somewhere or anything like that back in the 60s right so, um <laughs> so knowing what i know now is there anything that i need to uh, prep for for uh, the soft parade man the soft parade is basically 
it's kind of a weird 180 because Jim was not responding well to fame at this point and was getting much more heavier into alcohol than he had been with the acid. And um, so basically the, uh, the producer, Paul Rothschild, kind of took control. He kind of took all of these pieces of songs and put them together. And uh, Robbie Krieger, the guitar player, has a lot more songwriting credits on this album than he's ever had before because Jim was not so present. Mm. Um, so, but they, they, they throw in some horns. Um, Touch me is like the big single. I, you okay. might recognize that one. It's not like a super big single, but you might recognize it. Cause it just, it shows up in random places Okay, uh, throughout, but this one came out in December, no, July of 69. So a year later, um, and so a lot of people had forgotten about Which is it a, a really long turnover back in the late 60s. <laughs> but it's still only 33 minutes and you'll um, get a, an interesting feel. Because this, this album was like the last one that I bought. And I remember putting it on and hearing Tell All the People and then Touch Me. And just being like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, but Shaman's Blues is a really good song. And then... Yeah, you can you can kind of take your uh, take take your opinion over the next you know one two three four five songs, and then the soft parade, the closing track is is pretty phenomenal. It 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 takes so, some weird ebbs and flows at the beginning where it'll get super sixties pop, mm-hmm. um, but the, uh, the 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 last half of it is is pretty incredible. So okay. uh, I hope you enjoy it greatly as much as I have through the years. Well, I have been enjoying this Doors ride for for a few weeks now and I'm, I'm like super fascinated with uh with everything that's been going on on three albums it's, in so it's interesting i feel like like I, I still kind of feel that la woman is my favorite out of all of them oh um but we'll we'll get there another day yeah yeah there, i mean there's a reason that there's no doors albums in my top 100 albums list like there's still elements of them that are not not that great at times. Well, they are of their time too. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're in my top two hundred, but um, they never cracked that uh, top one hundred. Uh, you know, fever, cool. a fever you can't sweat out. You you mix, you <laughs> compare that to celebration of the lizard, and I mean, I mean, you ask any music fan out there, <laughs> you say fever you can't sweat out by Panic the Disco or L.A. Woman by the Doors. Which one <laughs> is more influential? I'm not sure. To society as large, <laughs> everyone would be de- oh, definitely that Brandon Urie kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, in 2020, you got to go Brandon Urie. In 1991, yeah. you're going to go I mean, Jim Morrison all the way. Of these two albums, which one has a lead singer that's still alive and made it past 27 mm. Club? Yeah? That's very true. God, it's so weird to think about Jim being only from 23 to 27 during this. I know, Jesus Christ. This, this wild ride of a life that he was. Tortured so. artist. <laughs> I mean, he was like the, the, the first quintessential front man that was like just crazy. I can't, I mean, besides maybe some, you got a Mick Jagger, but Mick Jagger is not nearly as off the wall as Jim Morrison was at the mm-hmm. time. So, um, yeah. Keep I, in I, mind, Mick Jagger is going to be joining the 127 club. <laughs> Never very, die. Very soon. <laughs> very soon. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this will be an interesting transition album. But when you get into, like, Morrison Hotel and L.A. Woman, you're going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling where this band needed to be. Like, oh, those, huh. th- that's kind of where, for me, they sound like, a solid band but we'll, we'll get there we'll get there 
So this is just their garbage stuff that they're still learning, right? This is the transition of like okay. <laughs> of of being way too into the drugs and the alcohol, um, but still needing to like crank out an album within a year. Very cool. Very <laughs> it's cool. Being on tour. So yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm all I'm all super fascinated with the Doors already, and I'm three albums in. So so you know I hope you guys will like take my review and maybe check them out for yourself at least because like this. Might as well, right, dude? Yeah, thirty-three minutes. I had no idea these albums were so short for oh, all yeah. these years. You got to fit them on a vinyl record, so that's all yeah, right back that's in the weird. day. That's weird. So, so yeah, uh, next week we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be having another uh, deep dive review for you guys. Uh, it might be Palais Royale, but um, in their new album, and then we'll throw in like the the older stuff as well, leading up to it. But uh, uh, if not, please join us once again for next week, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 at least have something. Um, that you guys are all familiar with and we you, you can join along and hopefully share your thoughts as well. If you'd like to share your thoughts on Panic at the Disco for this week, well, there's lots of places you can reach out to us, baby. You can go right. check us out over on facebook.com slash skinny with Mike and Adam. Uh, you, we're, we're pretty active over there uh, once in a while, I guess. But uh, I mean, if we get a message, I'll, I'll see it and then I'll message you back. <laughs> but if Mike uh, can make great uh, video game memes for popular bands, so many we're, memes, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get a following eventually. <laughs> <laughs> One day, our day will come. Uh, you can check me out over on Instagram at Mike Wears Prada. Send us a good old fashioned email over at the Skinny with Mike and Adam at Gmail dot com. And uh, and like I said last week, you know we we work pretty hard on this show, and we've been doing it for a long for a long while. And you know we don't ask much from you guys. Maybe just check out the ad at the, at, at the beginning. Don't skip past that. <laughs> but uh, if you guys want to support us, one way that you can do that is you can, uh, especially if you're on the Apple, if you're listening to us on Apple uh, Podcasts, you can review us right in app. You don't need to go to your your desktop browser and open up oh. itunes and then open and then do all that stuff to find our show and then give us a review that's a long process no you can do it straight from your app baby and that that, nice. that would actually help us uh get some um attention and uh, hopefully spread the news of our show that we all love and speaking of our show if you if you know somebody who likes this music and what you think would like the show feel free to send it their way baby ain't no ain't no harm in that you gotta but, do uh, it you gotta, gotta do it, it. We demand it. <laughs> so we hope that you guys enjoyed this week's show. For my co-host, Adam, I'm your co-host, Mike. Like we say every week while we're checking in with each other on quarantine. Oh, uh, hashtag the robot with poodle hair. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Remember from a couple weeks ago where like, I was trying to get this trend going that Trump is not a human being? Oh, um, this, right. This oh, I'm you going. found the hashtag. I it took a long time. Yeah, no, I, I figured lot, out a lot of workshopping. I figured it out the next day. I just forgot to tell you. <laughs> okay, spread the hashtag the robot with poodle hair. I'll probably put it on this week's episode too. <laughs> you got to. This, this needs to go worldwide. Cool. 